If Murray had supported the show, I'd be less sick of podcasts. <laughs> <laughs> America's Blah blah blah. Blah blah blah. Sending out good vibes. Shivers or vibrations and stuff like that. Why America? 1977, like Robert Planson died, you know, a couple years before they get into a car accident. Um, you know, they, they, they have this tour and all this crazy stuff happens. And then, you know, a couple years later, John Bonham dies. Okay, guys, welcome back to the America Show. We are going to be chatting with Christopher Knowles a little bit later. Uh, surprise, it took over 400 episodes, or almost 400 episodes to have him on the podcast. Over 400 if you count all the black budget stuff, I suppose. But yeah, we finally had him on, the Secret, Secret Sun blog guy. Some great stuff. He's been on THC a couple of times. He has a great interview here, one for the books. We got uh, Graham Christmas party Dunlop. How's it going, buddy? Good. How you doing? You had fun at the Fandango last night. Yeah, it was good. Yeah, it was fun. Yeah, we had another four, four and a half hour shit show Fandango with the Graylian Report. Yeah, well, with Mike Hanks, no longer of the Graylian Report. No he, longer called the Graylian Report. So he changed his whole Micah Hanks program. To I the think. Micah Hanks program. Yeah, so we had Micah Hanks on. And we had the Cruising with Steak guys and the Cat in the Box guys and Felix came in and we had some callers come in and suggest uh, uranium-tipped bullets for killing Bigfoot and other things. So that was a fun podcast. Uh, one for the books. The fifth annual Fandango shit show. Yeah, it was good. Fun. And now we are working on our Sunday to uh, make sure we have some pre-recorded intro so that we can get through the holiday season without missing a beat so we're recording this before uh christmas and it'll come out slightly after christmas some nice awesome long chat with christopher knowles we get onto all kinds of stuff yeah it's just uh been long overdue yeah long overdue it's about he's, time we had chris on the show he's got a new book out it's a fiction like a novel it's fantastic so check that out what was it called again he will live up in the sky I have to check that yeah, out. Yeah, it's really good. I still got to get a copy of that novel by uh, Napoleon Hill at some point. Yeah. So I want to share a synchronicity uh, that was shared by Justin from Cat in the Box on the Fandango, but for those people that didn't make it through the four-hour slog, um, I could... What's a slog? Like, what? what? What's a slog? I've never heard of a slog. I've never heard of slog used, period. Really? Let alone never. in reference to podcasting. I don't know, like a long, like, long, uh, hard-nosed, I don't know. I don't know. I can't, I can't describe it. You should okay. know. Okay. I should know that it's a slog. Yeah. It was a good slog, a fun slog. Uh, the stream presented some problems. But uh, everything worked out in the end. We still, even with all the stream issues, we still ended up with like a three hour, three and a half hour YouTube video at the end of it all. So that's good. Couldn't have been too bad. Uh, let's go back to an oldie. 
I want a good score for my synchronicity Your brain reads it out, then Dara might give it to me Hey, don't you please read it low, yeah, yeah Wow, I just looked up slog Work hard over a period of time Nice was it a slog? I bit? said work. I got, yeah. Oh no, I was hard. I was going to say hard, hard work. Yeah, it was yeah, effort. It was, yeah, it was. Effort. It was work. Four-hour slog. Yeah. So, uh, all right, let's hear the synchro. I just heard it yesterday, so it's going to be less of a bruh. Well, the weird thing was, I was thinking about. I think I gave it a nine. I was something. thinking about texting. You gave it a nine point one. I was thinking about giving texting Justin all day long for you know this was just one of those weird things when you. I kept meaning to go do it and I never did it. And then I get a, a text like this from him and it's just it's mind blowing, right? So he says, Grambo, what the fuck? So as you know, I'm learning a couple new languages and as such, I've done some research on how to better absorb them. That research led me to this video in which the main guy uses an example of holding up a magazine and simply pointing to things on the cover and in it, as well as having his tutors explain what they are. No English, just in the target language. The first image is a picture of him holding up the magazine. So he sent me an image of that. This guy on the video holding up this magazine. <laughs> he does this a couple times in the video. Just a few minutes ago. So now he's, at, he's explaining what happened at work. Just a few minutes ago, one of my guys had an accident with one of the bales of mixed paper for recycling, and it busted open inside the van. So he shows a picture of this, like, you know, thousands of magazines papers and magazines. And from the recycling thing. I was helping him clean up, and I was, as I was finishing up, this magazine caught my eye. I grabbed it, thinking it was the same one. I jump on YouTube, find the video, and lo and behold, it is. The magazine is from 2014. The video was posted in 2018. I just watched it a couple times within the last week. What are the odds? And he shows a picture of the magazine, and it's like, Sunset 2014 Camping Guide. I mean, it's not even a, it's kind of an obscure magazine, too. Uh, so we were talking at, on the Fandango. I was like, it's got this thing. He's like, he was going to look through it and see if there was anything that jumped out at him. And I was like looking at the things on the, on the front, like secret campsites. Secret camping maybe for CAC. Maybe that's what it is. Maybe we're going to find one of the secret campsites to meet at in there. Could be. So yeah, Darren rated it pretty high. Um, I was pretty high at the also, time. Also, Darren was... Uh, Learning a second language as well, which was weird. Oh, yeah, we've both been learning theme, the like, same second language for like the same amount well, of time. Well, he's been learning other ones too, like mm -hmm. Mandarin as well. And but we're both Mandarin learning French, Japanese, Mandarin. Or, yeah, Mandarin. And Micah was learning Portuguese. Yeah. Portuguese? Yeah. Or Polish? Or No, it was Portuguese. That's right. Portuguese. Yeah. So, yeah, great synchro. Nice little synchro for our buddy Justin. Newsletter Justin. Of course, Adam's been helping out with the newsletter lately, but Justin uh, created that shit. I got another one for you, too. Just another so you synchro? Yeah. All right, let's hear it. First of all, I love getting these emails from people. Honestly, we love the community and hearing from everybody. Trip reports, synchros, sightings, all that kind of stuff. It's fun to get everybody involved in these episodes. So here's another one. It's called the Manifestation Synchro. How goes it, boys? I've got a bit of an ongoing experience having to do with a restaurant I work at on the weekends. 
The location is well known in the area for its deep fried hot dogs and cold beer. And there are regulars, but occasionally in a day, my coworkers and I would mention someone we don't usually talk about. And oddly enough, sometimes we'll see them that day. The most recent instance of this happened today at the time of me writing this. I saw someone looking at me like they had recognized me from somewhere. And in my head, I thought he looked like a truck driver buddy I'd been working with recently at my other job, unrelated to where I was at the time. He wasn't my buddy after all, and I gave him his change back and he walked out. Within the hour, my truck driver buddy walks in, going on to his son about how he hadn't been in the restaurant for over a decade, only to look up and recognize me. (laughs) (laughs) I was floored and I explained the situation of the stranger from earlier to him and we had a chuckle about this manifestation. It's an odd phenomenon for sure. I even had a conversation with my coworker about it who confirmed that people will show up in the restaurant almost like they've been summoned from a genie's lamp. Now, Darren, I don't want to influence your decision, but I'm on a monthly for you guys. <laughs> Happy holidays to everyone. Love you guys, and thank you for your courage. Colin O. Not a synchro. Thanks, Colin. I love it. Ripple, ripple, ripple. He's pre-recognizing his buddy. This time's not linear. I don't know. Was he, though? Ripple before the... So I had one similar to this in like 1988 or 89. Did I, I've told this on the show before, but I'm going to tell it again because it's very... What? Several times. Um, you don't... Hang on. Hang, okay. you, don't, you don't know. You don't remember that this is the one I'm going to tell you. I know. You're all your So stories. I'm driving the back roads in Maple Ridge, right? <laughs> With my buddy, me and Dave Farrell. Driving Dave the Farrell. back roads. My old boy, he, him and I playing hockey were awesome. Like one, two, boom, boom. You still in touch with Dave good. Farrell? Yeah, a little bit. Yeah. Yep. Did you listen to the show? No. no. no none of my old friends listen to no, the show. They don't want nothing no. to do with it. <laughs> they like two they probably my, think I two went off the deep end or something. Listen to, listen to this show. Yeah. So driving up these back roads in Maple Ridge, like like back back roads kind of, and we see this car go by, and we're like, hey, that looked like Jim Day. And Jim Day is like not even a friend of ours. He's an acquaintance. He's like old, a couple years older. And the next car that goes by, Jim Day's in the car. And we both just go, oh, there, there's Jim Day right there. Like... And it just seemed, I don't know, we freaked out at the time just thinking it was a weird coincidence or something. This was pre-synchro looking out foreground. Yeah. Huh. Yeah. Nice one. I'm not going to rate yours very high. I'm not even going to rate it. I don't want to rate it. All right. Oh, did you see the nice email we got from JP this morning? Uh, Yeah. He rescinded his his remarks. Oh, that's good. This This is is the guy that thought you were um, berating the supporters? He thought I was berating him specifically, it sounded like. No, but he no. thought I was berating everyone, I guess. Yeah, you get sometimes you get a little Sometimes I get know, a little hard on you motherfuckers. Harder, yeah. But I think but he, he took it the wrong way probably. But he thanks probably thanks for the email. Yeah, thanks for reaching out. Yeah. Sent a selfie with him and, and uh Cam. Cam, buddy Cam Hale. Yeah. Good to have you back. Yeah, back you, you mean well. Team you just sometimes you might come across the wrong way or something. But you I mean mostly well. mean yeah. well. Sometimes you're pretty high, so you know, you never hey. know. Sometimes I don't give a fuck. <laughs> I'm only human. Uh, what else you got? Get oh. some. Uh, what did we? I have got to a get couple to? of quotes as well. We got to. What else do we got to? Oh, that jingle. Oh, that jingle does work. Thanks to everybody work? for supporting the show because you know it's important. And I oh yeah, Darren, another year of support. Darren got a new computer recently to do the stream and stuff, but I, I think we're having some issues with. Uh, 
I returned Wirecast today, so we'll see. What is what is that? Is that electronic? Like a that's digital a software return? program. Yeah. Digital return, really? Digital return it says didn't, thirty days. So didn't work. Nah, and I don't want to figure it out. Fuck it. OBS worked great, and at very low CPU usage. So I'm gonna get that money back, and I'm gonna invest it in someone to. Because Wirecast was expensive, right? Wasn't it? Yeah, it was like five hundred bucks. And then I get, I'm gonna pay someone on to remote in a fi- an OBS Pro and set it all up. They can set up some stuff so that I just have to switch through it. They could probably make it look as good as Wirecast somehow. That's good. And we'll save the money. And yeah, it was pretty frustrating trying to get that stream going yesterday. So it's good to be back on OBS. I know how it works a little better. So Yeah. Because it crashed a few times then? It crashed like a... four times. Yeah, that's yeah. Weird, over yeah. and over and over and streaming three or four times. Oh, the problem with OBS, I guess, is that we'll have to go back to restream. Right. Which isn't the end of the world. Could be worse. Mm. We'll be back on another monthly expense. Because really. that Wirecast was supposed to take the get Wirecast rid of was supposed to get rid of a monthly thing, expense. Right? It's supposed uh, to get rid of the restream expense. But yeah, that's not going to happen now. The restream yeah. expense is going to be back and better than how, ever. How much is that one again? Uh, I think it's going to be like forty bucks a month, US. Yeah. USD. USD. So about sixty Canadian. Yeah. Eighty Canadian. No, no, no. It's like one point three two right now. Is it? Yeah. You just convert. Fuck, we keep it up. That forty bucks we got on the counter over there is going to be worth a hundred. Ah, so yeah, last episode of twenty nineteen. Yeah, this will be good. Yeah, I'm yeah. Gonna start a new uh, couple new, new decade. I'm going to start some new intentions for next year and twenty twenty diet and exercise and got to get back into it. I'm just feeling rough. Yeah, yeah. I need yeah. it's like all or nothing for me. With me, I can't fucking play around with sugar and shit. I, it just, it just. You got to bounce back, buddy. 2020, yeah. the year bouncing back. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, 2019, bit of a whirlwind. First successful CAC. End of some things, beginning of some things. It'll be good to uh, go into 2020. It's a nice new new decade, clean slate, and uh, a couple of events lined up, a couple of great events lined up, a couple of meetups lined up, uh, specifically at the Vision Quest coming up in March uh, at the Commune. Why are you calling that a Vision Quest? It's not really a, like a... Because we're going on a vision quest. Really? Yeah. Who's taking you on that? I think I might be driving. No, no, no. But I mean, there's like this is a shamanic thing, right? You're not you're not going into the woods for three days without food, are you, or something like that? No, no. We're just going to eat type some of vision psychedelics quest? and wander around the commune property. Right. Looking for visions. Right. So it's not an official vision quest. It's who decides an official vision <laughs> quest? I'd like to think it's the status <laughs> Indian of the group. <laughs> <laughs> but the white dude says no. <laughs> I think it's pretty official. Okay. We won't know until after, I guess. Just, uh, we'll going to wander around the property. Yeah. We'll see how it goes. We'll decide after how official it was. Well, it is a good time. It's uh, solstice. It's the equinox. Right? equinox. equinox. Solstice yeah. was yesterday. Yeah. yeah. Equinox is In three months three away. Three months. Yeah. yeah. What's yeah. that like? Oh, that'll fly by. Oh, yeah, 90 days yeah. away. That shit will go by like fucking nothing. Yeah, CAC's all sold out in April, right? CAC in April is Port- sold out. That's uh, contacted the cabin in um, Utah. Utah. That's but we are David launching. Matheson, the Sky Myths. Yeah. By, Star Myths, Star Myths. By January 10th or so, I'll be officially selling the new Randall Carlson one. Uh, I got him design the website and all that. So that'll be like the 
It's the 20th to the 26th. Oh, no, sorry. It's the 21st to the 26th of September. So it's uh, yeah, where's that? Where's five that? nights, six days, Soap Lake Spa and Resort. Oh, okay, that is in, in Washington. Washington yeah. Just a, it's like in the fucking, it's in the cataract yeah. from the, in Grand Coulee. So we'll be like 20 minutes up the road from Dry Falls and we got. Are you going to spend the five days there traveling around that area then? Yeah. And using Soap four, Lake as I think a head, we'll do, yeah, head, like Four a, days of traveling around and a presentation day. Uh, it's going to be a blast. Yeah, that will be with Randall. And yeah, that, it's yeah. going to be a great time. I'm actually working on uh, maybe bringing someone else along just to hang out for a couple of days as well. And um, because it just happens to be right around a new moon. So good. Might be a good timing for some star watching. Oh, especially out there. Yeah. Yeah. So I might line up a uh, double whammy at that one because it just so happens that I know a star guy who's a huge Randall Carlson fan. He knows a lot about geology too. So it'd be nice. like the perfect couple. Yeah. Um, so I'm trying to set that up. Either way, it's going to be a stacked event. It's going to be our longest event. I mean, the other one was 10 days, but that we had to run through a bunch of people. This one's five nights, six days. So I mean. For, for one group. Yeah. For yeah. So one group, 25 spots only. Actually, technically, I think we're down to like 21 or 22. So I've gotten several emails already from people who say they want to be on the list. Uh, so it's going to go fast and there's, there's absolutely no extension on this one. I can't get any more space. So it's 25 spots. That's it. Right on. That sounds good. And then we were thinking ahead to 2021. 2021, I Might think. Might be a contact at the castle, maybe? Contact at the castle is looking like July 2021. We'll head over to the UK, you fucks. I, I've got a friend in the, not a friend of mine, but a friend I've recently met through a friend that's doing some running around in the UK and getting some venues for me and looking at we castles. Got some, I got someone else looking at I might be able to have some castles with some teepees set up on the property. For wow. some extra lodging. Nice. That'd uh, be great. Yeah. So we're looking at all sorts of options there. Probably be a nice, nice little event. If we do that one, I think some stars will align and we'll have a really great show over there. They think what's going to happen is these UK people are going to have to wait longer, but they could get the best one. Yeah. Right. Um, and then uh, we'll just grow from there. We'll of have to do another little Utah weekend one. Can... In the meantime, we'll do another weekend one. Like I'd like to do like a weekend. Sort well, of I want to get into doing like one or two a year at the commune that are just like right, right. wide open, don't yeah. cost nothing, bring your tent, meet up. We got to come up with a better name too. For the Contact yeah. at the commune. Yeah. I like, uh, let's make it nice and military. Like, no, <laughs> no. More spiritual. The retreat? Yeah, I don't know. We'll figure something out. That's but, what the vision uh, quest is for. No, that's right. Okay. Come up with a name first. Come up with a name at the vision quest. Uh, what else do we got? Oh yeah. So the other thing I was talking to my buddy, Dave Matheson the other day, and I think we'll probably, cause I got tons of people. See, no one believed me when I said 10 months before that this thing was going to sell out quick. So now we, here we are. We're like six months before the event. Three, four months. Four, okay. It's four, coming up fast. Four and a half months yeah. before the event and people want in. And I'm like, there's no, I can't extend it anymore. I've already extended it twice. Yeah. <laughs> we're out of extensions. Yeah. We're, I've already ordered the towels. Right. So we're maxed. Uh, and people want to keep going. So I was talking to Dave. I think we'll do that as an annual. So we'll go back. If this one goes well, I think what I'm going to do at this one, we'll, we'll make that one a nice little one weekend a year. Oh. Zip in, zip well, out. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's good. But I mean, I, I want to do some other, like, other topics too for weekends. 
We well, you better start giving me some fucking well, names and some info. Yeah, I will. Because I can't read your mind. We've come to the, we've already worked out that we can't read each other's minds. Every time we try, things get forgotten. I still blame you for leaving that stuff in Oregon. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so it, wait, before we go off that topic, um, contact at the cabin.com. Yeah. Everything there is sold out right now. So, but pretty soon I'm going to add the, I'll start adding the next pages with waiting lists for other events and sign up for scab lines. While we're on topics of initiatives and stuff we're doing, we're also pr- producing some audiobooks now too. So we're going to have a yeah, uh, song of the immortal beloved is for sale now. Buy it if you can. The links in the show notes. We've also done that at recovery Dharma and, and yep. uh, F is, what is that called again? The uh, F is for fascism or the, what understanding, understanding the, the F word words. by Dave McGowan. Yep. That'll be coming out. Well, that'll be up to her, but I'll be sending her the files right away. And we're doing the manifesto. We're doing so the if you manifesto have, you know, as an official audio book. So if you know any, of anything that, uh, pre-copyright or if you know of any because anything pre-copyright that's public domain we or can just do. Or any authors out there. That... Or if you know any authors that want to have their stuff on audio or want to you know talk to us we come up with something that works for all parties involved and we yeah. can get that audio book produced we'd love to do it. Uh, support the show. We love all you guys that supported the show in 2019. The show wouldn't be looking at it taking on another decade without you guys there'd be no chance. Of course we need you guys to just keep pumping those tires. Grandamerica.ca slash support Sign up for a monthly. I mean, our support support's always sort of creeping up, but like the you know, for you guys, we're, we're really coming together for a while. We're we're coming along, but sort of falling off in the holiday season. So don't forget about us after Christmas. Now that all those Christmas expenses are out of the way, even maybe I'm waiting to get Christmas over with, so you can finally sign up for that monthly over at America. .ca slash support. It's still only about uh, just under one in a hundred of you, maybe one in a hundred if we're lucky. That is supporting the show. Yeah, we got to get that, that Get up to two, three, four. I mean, it, ideally it'd be 90 out of 100, but let's start with two. America.ca slash support. Sign up today. If you're Gives finding you some value. Black Budget too. Did you yeah, say that? Did you yeah, the there's budget? like 40 episodes in the Black Budget, and I'll give you Graham's phone number. And uh, honestly, the value for value model doesn't work, and our value is going to, we can't keep making this valuable product for you if you don't throw a little value back our way. America.ca slash support. Uh, some jingles. What do we got? It's the profound quote of the week. Oh. Right. Jeez. All right. Well, that gets cut off again. I thought you were going to replace that guy. Well, I'm in the process of replacing this whole guy. Okay. Do you want to, uh, you want to go first on your quote? No, you go. Okay. I'll go first. What are you reading from? I'm reading from the Tao Te Ching by Lao Tzu. Number 19, give up sainthood, renounce wisdom, and it will be a hundred times better for everyone. Give up kindness, renounce morality, and people will rediscover filial pity, pity, and love. Wow. Word. Give up ingenuity, renounce profit, and bandits and thieves will disappear. These three are outward forms alone. They are not sufficient in themselves. It is important to see simplicity, to realize our true nature, to cast off selfishness and temper desire. Wow. That's a complicated one. Yeah. I can get you the give, whole no thieves up, without stuff. How but can I you mean, give, out, uh, really give away friendship and... 
Or was it friendship or give up kindness? Kindness, yeah. Renounce morality and people will rediscover filial piety and love. Yeah, I got to know what that filial piety means. I don't know what either, either of those words mean, so that's, that's <laughs> part of the problem. We're too simple to understand the Tao. We don't know anything. Okay, so I'm going to read from The Octopus of Global Control from Charlie Robinson. We got to get Charlie back on, talk about his new book. This is from the chapter uh, subheading, Workers, Not Thinkers. In our dream, we have limitless resources, and the people yield themselves with perfect docility to our molding hand. The present education conventions fade from our minds and unhampered by tradition, we work our own good will upon a grateful and responsive rural folk. We shall not try to make these people or any of their children into philosophers or men of learning or of science. We are not to raise up among them authors, orators, poets, or men of letters. We shall not search for embryo great artists, painters, musicians, nor will we cherish even the humbler ambition to raise up from among them lawyers, doctors, preachers, statesmen, of whom we now have ample supply. <laughs> that was Reverend Frederick T. Gates, business advisor to John D. Rockefeller, senior, 1913. 1913. <laughs> He's only 106 that's a, that's a years ago, 107 almost, 107 years ago next week. You want me to continue on? I got another one in Might that vein. Might as well vein. do one more, yeah. So in that vein, same, same chapter, Workers Not Thinkers, we view with alarm the activity of the Carnegie and Rockefeller Foundations, agencies not in any way responsible to the people, in their efforts to control the policies of our state educational institutions, to fashion after their conception and to standardize our courses of study and to surround the institutions with conditions which menace true academic freedom and defeat the primary purpose of democracy as heretofore preserved inviolate in our common schools, normal schools and universities. And that was from the normal school section of the national education association from 1914. Yeah, that, I was thinking about national education the other day and how fucked up it seems that people from coast to coast are just learning the same shit, you know? Doesn't seem like a smart idea. Well, the same wrong shit, too. I mean, most of the time it's wrong shit. Yeah. That's the problem with standardizing the whole fucking thing. Now you're wrong in the same direction. <laughs> Before it was probably split up, you know, these guys were right about this, wrong about that. Ah, I don't know. It's a mess. I don't have a solution. No. Burn it down. Know. We don't know anything. Burn it down. We don't know anything about anything. I don't know. <laughs> wow. What, uh, what else you got? That's about it, buddy. Uh, Just happy to finish off another slog. Another 2019 slog? Yeah. 2019 was a bit of a slog. Looking forward to 2020, a new decade. New decade. New opportunities. All sorts of new opportunities, all sorts of great times, all sorts of fantastic new new listeners. All the listeners we picked up in 2019, we fucking love you. And uh, looking forward to 2020. It's a happier place to be. <laughs>
maple syrup is the best. It's so yeah. good. I won't cry. Just be present with me and love me. Hey, God, Americans, that's the way you do it. What a great jingle. I'll, I'll play that whole song out at the end of the show. Big thanks to you guys. Thanks for another great year, buddy. Another, I think we crammed out another like 70 or 80 fucking podcasts for you guys this year. America.ca slash support. I'll stop now till next week. I'll stop begging for money. Enjoy the chat with the one and only Christopher Knowles. Happy New Year. Christopher Knowles with us. Most of you will know him and have heard him before. I can't believe we haven't had him on yet. He's the author of Our Gods Wear Spandex and his new first uh, novel, He Will Live Up in the Sky. Also, he's got the blog, Secret Sun. Fantastic stuff. So welcome to the show, Christopher. Thanks for coming on. Oh, it's definitely my pleasure. I really appreciate the invite. Yeah. <laughs> I do. I'm, I'm gratified. It's, um, it's an honor. Sorry, it took 400 shows next. Uh, you know, I was looking, you were on THC, like I think the first time you were on THC, what, like four years ago? I believe the first time I was on THC was 2015. So, yeah, I remember listening to that. And I was like, we got to get this guy yeah, on. I know. It's like, and then, years then you years we've been THC thinking again. About it. Oh, we got to get this guy I know, on. It's, it's awesome. Just, you know how it yeah. is. There's just so much shit to just keep talking about nonstop. It's just, we're sorry no, it took I, so long. <clears throat> I do know how it is. Um, my, I'm actually embarrassed by my first THC um, appearance because I was like, kind of like on a lot of drugs at the time, and um, <laughs> I was a, I was a little bit like I don't know, kind of like a little sedated when I did that show. Um, so well, it could have been know. that bad because Darren. Well, I mean, Darren was probably really high I when was he listened to it. So. I listened to it. I think, <laughs> but but obviously yeah, he like. like a, yeah, Just I was on, on a lot of and half nasty speed. pharmaceuticals. At the oh, time. oh, that's different. Yeah, yeah, yeah so it's, it was bad. Hopefully um, you're not on. Hopefully you got off those things. I certainly did, yeah. and uh, it was not easy. Wow, not easy. Wow, it's a whole other story, isn't it? Right? Yeah, that's kind I of the know. story of our times. So a I mean, a lot of it up in Canada, right? Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. It's a problem up here. Not quite the same down as down there, but oh well, in Western Canada, it is like on the coast. Vancouver's got to be like one of the worst. 
cities in North America, I would say, for that kind of shit. Well, Vancouver's always been bad. I mean, I, I was a big fan of, um, you're probably going to laugh at me, but I was a big fan of uh, Da Vinci's Inquest. Okay. You guys ever watch that show? Vancouver-based show? No. Okay, so I'll just tell you real quick. So Da Vinci's Inquest was uh, basically what happened is that the X-Files used to shoot in, I think it's what's uh, Lionsgate or a big studio out in Vancouver. Yeah. And they, they, uh, after they did the movie, they moved down to L.A. So um, there was like hundreds of people out of work all of a sudden. So this guy named Chris Haddock started the show called Da Vinci's Inquest. And I can't believe I'm, I'm lecturing Canadians about a Canadian show. But uh, it, it basically, he just hired everybody who worked on the X-Files. And uh, it was a great show. And you awesome. guys should watch it. Yeah, yeah, we should. And uh, it was, I loved it because it was like all the, all the character actors that were on the X-Files were on it. And oh. a lot of regulars. And, and uh, I don't, this is an actress who I used to have a mad crush on named Sarah Strange. I don't know. You, you know Sarah Strange up there? No, don't, I haven't heard of her. Oh, what are you guys watching up there, man? We don't, I don't, don't know, watch, dude. We, we watch your homegrown television. We don't even watch now. television anymore, man. <clears throat> oh, good for you. Good for you. Yeah. Yeah. Unless it's the odd, like the odd Netflix or YouTube or Darren's been buying movies off of YouTube lately. So no, I'm off. I stopped. Oh, you're off. You stopped that. Okay. Good. I am back on the, uh, I'm not going to say what I'm doing, but I got my, oh, my software back in order. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Well, I'll tell you, it's it's getting harder and harder to watch anything now since the like the woke virus. Oh kind my of took god! Yeah. Well, that's I what I, that's what I wanted to talk to you about. Actually, actually, one of the things I wanted to talk to. I'm you going about to watch sure. Jumanji three on the weekend. Am I going to get woke? <laughs> I don't want to. I don't know, woke. man. I, last movie I went to see was Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, and uh, I liked it. It was like maybe like an hour too long, and uh, in the middle of it, some some asshole pulled a fire alarm oh. and. Uh, Everybody was expecting, because this was right after, uh, I don't know, one of these mass shooting events. It was like literally like a day after that. And everybody thought we were all going to get mowed down as we walked out, you know, wow. outside. Everybody's kind of like walking like very gingerly. And uh, it just turned out some idiot pulled a fire alarm. But anyway, um, that, I, I, hate, I hate going to the movies now. It's, uh, it's not fun anymore. No, it really it's is. not. No, I try. I, I go to the odd one now. I still go. I, I do that more than watching them at home. That's for sure. I didn't. I didn't get too woke by Jumanji too. I rather enjoyed it. It should be okay. That's I probably light the, light wokeness. It's not as as bad as some of the stuff. When I watched I when I watched First Man, I was I stopped believing in the moon landing again. So I don't know if that okay. counts as woke or unwoke or where that puts me. But I was back. I was uh, that's back. that's red pill. Okay. Yeah. That's red pill. I, well, because I was they okay. took woke from us. I was in and the moon landing. Trying to take red pill from us. When I'm a kid, I'm in. All right. Till I start the show, then I'm out, then I'm back in, and then I watch First Man, and I don't even know because it's not even really about the moon; it's more about Neil Armstrong. But they just took off from the moon just perfect the first try. I'm yeah. like, yeah, yeah. I'm like, there's I used no to, way. Yeah, no. I used to be a big Apollo defender, and um, I think the thing that really there's a couple things that really change it for me. One of which is I, I looked at somebody had done like um. I guess what's called like a parallax, uh, I forget the term, but it's parallax something and just showed that, you know, at no point do you see anybody outside the perimeter of, of what is capable to film in a soundstage. You know, you never see anybody like, you know, 700 feet away and you don't, you don't ever see like rolling hills on the lunar landscape and all this kind of stuff. But the other thing, and, and I blogged about this, the other thing that really kind of did for me is that they were talking about like, um, 
oh, we don't know like the composition of like lunar dust, and you know, we're, we're setting our telescopes there so we can learn about lunar dust. And I was like, wait, didn't you bring home like 800 pounds of that shit on the Apollo missions? Like, why don't you just get it from them? So you just like, oh, you know, whatever. I think this is sort of like a soft disclosure with that stuff. I think that um, Christopher Nolan movie was part of that as well. What? What one was that? Uh, Interstellar. Oh. So Interstellar uh, with uh, I, I actually well, I mean, you could even say Transformers with the dark side of the moon too. I mean, they're all they're throwing that shit in everywhere. Interstellar, you know, that even brought a little tear to my eye at the end. He sees his daughter; she's all grown up. This is am I woke now? <laughs> um, you're red pilled. <laughs> Perfect. This is a good, red pill is still a good thing, or, um, or is that a bad thing now? I can't keep up. They're trying to take. They're trying to take it away. I don't know, man. Uh, you're just pilled. Just, All right. You know, you're a pill head. Just uh, whatever, you know, whatever you choose. Listen, uh, you know, this this whole thing with language is becoming so Orwellian. That, oh. uh, you know, what the hell? How can you even keep up with it anymore? You it know? seems like it's beginning to swing now, though. More and more people have just kind of given up on the whole thing. And they're just like, they know it's ridiculous. Where they used to have to feel as though they were being forced to go along with it. Now a lot of people are laughing at it. So that's, I think, better. Well, we'll see. You know, um, I don't know. I'm, I'm, I'm like a little pessimistic on, the, on that kind of stuff. I, I think that we're, you know, we're, we're not over the hump yet. You know, yeah. I think we still got a ways to go. Um, sure. And you poor bastards up in Canada with that, you know, uh, prime minister, uh, commander in woke, uh, that ridiculous <laughs> clown, uh, you know, Mr. Blackface up there. My yeah. God almighty. Oh. That guy just makes me. Uh, how can you just like not cringe every time you see that well, guy's we face? Do, we do. Oh, we do. I mean, we do. Yeah, we, we try. We especially cringe when you try and <clears throat> when you listen to him try and answer a question or avoid a question because he just won't even answer He's any dumb. questions. It's dumb as hell. He's dumb. I don't know. He plays dumb. I think he plays dumb like Bush played dumb. I think he, okay. yeah, he's that a thespian. He's an actor. He's a, he's an actor. Or even Clinton. They're all they pretty all, good at playing dumb. Yeah. They're all just they're all just acting fascists. You don't think that you don't think that Trump's not an actor? The guy. Oh, I think Trump's hundred percent an actor. I think he's. I think he's like a lifetime actor. So. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. He's the next you know, lead I'll, actor in the military-industrial complex. Yeah, I. You know, when you you get when you have to actually deal with the system, which I had to do this past year, and you just realize that, um, you know, laws are um, completely arbitrary, and if. You know, people don't feel like obeying the law. They don't obey the law. And if you have a problem with it, you know, that's your problem. Too bad. Uh, suck it up, buttercup. You know what I'm saying? Uh, so we're really in, in, a, in a kind of state, very much uh, reminiscent to me of uh, at least l- late Roman Republic, if not like Rome during the crisis of the second century. I mean, we're really in a very tenuous spot here because you can kick at the you know you can kick at the tires and 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 the car will kind of hold up but you know if you just keep kicking out the sort of the uh the foundation stones of your house it's eventually going to collapse and you know what we're seeing is that so many people are just not realizing that everything is independent and, and and works together and and you can't just keep messing with everything you can't just keep like re trying to reinvent the wheel and i think a lot of this kind of woke stuff it's just like well you know i'm so smart and and i can just uh change the whole system uh, just by changing my language and all this kind of stuff but you know you, you get to a point where 
there's no longer any social cohesion. And I don't know how far along you are up in Canada with that. I know that there's talk of, uh, what is it? What's the exit out there now? Is oh, it, yeah, we're right there. Alberta exit. Wexit. Wexit is usually Wexit or... Wexit. Yeah. It sounds so, so lame. I know. But yeah, but guys, we're fed up. We're fed up. We want to exit. I, 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 think, I think we're over it. No, yeah. I think we're But over. it's just not going to happen. I mean, there's no way it can happen. I, I personally don't care. But I think we're over it. I haven't heard as much Wexit talk. It was like right after the election, we were out of here. But uh, it's really died But well, we want to... Well, a lot of people want to just become part of America. The state, you know. Well, the I answers, just want to dissolve. There the was union. a hilarious. Have you dissolve seen the, all the unions? It's less laws is what we what we need. You know, like yeah. you said, the whole thing works a lot better. Like if you have a roundabout, if you have a roundabout, you everybody goes around the roundabout. There's no chaos. But when you have stoplights and all these extra things added to it, more laws, more policies, it makes it more. And instead of people saying what we need is less laws, more people are saying, I don't really like that they're doing that. We should make a law that makes it to where they can't do that. And that's where everybody's going now. Everyone's rushing into more laws. That's what I think. Well, I'll tell you, the problem um, with that is that it becomes self-sustaining and, and it really gathers up its own momentum. Yeah, totally. And, you know, these laws, um, they sort of sustain a bureaucracy to, to control and, and keep track of everything. And then the bureaucrats get, start to get very jealous of their power. Mm -hmm. um, you know, but one of the problems, you know, you guys in Alberta and Saskatchewan, um, you're kind of landlocked, you know, mm -hmm. uh, it's, um, it's like being on the ocean, but it's dirt instead. It really is. When you look out, it's just like, as far as you can see. Oh, permafrost, right? No, no, we don't have that here. Trump's going to take Saskatchewan with Alberta and grab her by the vagina. <laughs> How long are you waiting to drop that one? Did you steal that? And then he from, stumbled through are it. Are you too. stealing shit from CBC? Yeah. Oh. <laughs> this is what it's come to, eh? Yeah. Yeah, I don't love think... Love that old school A there, too, you know? Yeah, it's hard to kick that. Yeah. You can't get rid Little of that. Little Bob and Doug action. You can't, you can't get rid of that. that. Yeah. Yeah, you can't get rid of that. <clears throat> well, tell you something. One of the things that really bothers me these days is um, the loss of like regional flavor. You know, I mean, mm. I'm I'm originally from Boston, and I came down here, and I had to like lose my accent because I couldn't talk without people just interrupting me and saying, you know, where are you from? Like, how do <laughs> yeah. you talk like that? And um, yeah, and I was like, yeah, I'm from 250 miles up the goddamn highway. What do you think? Um, but uh, you know. Uh, this loss of um, regional flavor, you know, accents being lost and, and I guess, you know, sort of customs and, and everything just melding into this amorphous, uh, flavorless gelatin, you know, uh, the, the, you certainly see that around here. Um, you know, it's worse. Well, it's here. all turning into vocal fry and up talking. I mean, this is what's happening to us. Um, somehow we're taking on these weird accents. It's too much TV. That's not the TV. It's Is the up TV. talking like when you end on I'm a like, you. when you end on a high note, like you talk like that, you up talk like that. Every time, every time you send a sentence, it ends on a high note. <laughs> yeah, you know, you know, it's funny about that though. You know, talk about regional flavor. I mean that that whole way of speaking, you can trace back to the Valley Girls, you know, San Fernando Valley Valley of like the late seventies and the early eighties, and there's actually like a song. Uh, that Frank Zappa's daughter recorded that sort of mocked that whole way of speaking. And for some reason, 
now it's like politicians and and television hosts and like everybody talks like that. And it's like, do you, do you understand where that came from? You know, like uh, I guess you call it up talking. I sort of call I, it. Well, I I think it's a new strain of Valley Girl, but it's the vocal fry. Well, the radio strain, does it here. Have you noticed fry. the local stations here do it? All of yeah, them do it. Yeah, it's just that I think it's like. It's like it must be trained. Watching the same fucking movies and the same TV shows. I think they're trained to do it. I think so too. Yeah, think so. Yep. But that's what your blog about the wokeness was fantastic because I've been thinking about that a lot lately too. How it's really not working. And I think I think if I remember correctly, you you thought there was a. It seemed like there was a little bit of intention behind this. Like it's 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 ruining a lot of. what do you how do you say like hollywood and some other things and and do you think there's something something behind that well you know one of the things i try to look at is i try to look at like where it started and so this is what happened um people don't realize that we sort of had like a soft civil war in the united states in the late 60s um you know it wasn't really kind of seen that way but it it basically was like um you know civil war light basically well, this is a little later. This is the later 60s. Well, I guess when Robert Kennedy got shot. But um, you sort of had uh, this running battle between, you know, the quote-unquote establishment and the quote-unquote, I don't know, Aquarian generation, the hippies. I don't know how you would describe these people. But you had this, like, this light civil war, soft civil war, and the establishment definitively won and what happened is a lot of the people who were in, involved in these, a lot of these ra- radical groups uh, went off and, and they, they sort of um, found sanctuary in these in- small institutions. Well, the, yeah, the institutions, but also like these small New England colleges, like these small New England liberal arts colleges in states like um, in Vermont and upstate New York and, and rural Ohio, uh, you know, actually a lot of areas that are pretty close to, to, you know, to the Canadian border. So, and, and then they, um, this whole, um, political correctness started to gestate and it was sort of like a, a soft boiled communism, but it was very hippified. It was, you know, sort of fed through this, uh, hippie baby boomer mentality. And, uh, you know, then we started to see things like intersectionalism, uh, pop up, so all this stuff was really sort of gestating along and nobody was really paying much attention to it. I think, uh, I, I very seriously think that um, like people in the KGB and the Chinese uh, intelligence services were, um, were feeding this stuff. And, and I actually know this for a fact because when I was, in, when I was a kid, I was hanging around a, uh, a hardcore club that was run by the, uh, what was called the RCYP, I, I think it was Revolutionary Communist Youth Party or brigades or something. I forget the exact um, term. But so I was hanging out with these guys and I, I would read these like uh, papers and it was all like very clearly like Maoist and it was like anti, it was this weird sectarianism where it was like anti-Castro, anti-Russian, pro-Chinese. So it was clear that it was being bankrolled by the uh, the Chinese government. Uh, and it was this movement that, you know, I, I don't know how many, maybe a hundred people in the entire country were belonging to. But anyway, the point is, is that I, you know, all this stuff uh, was being fed to the um, uh, these colleges, all these professors and so on in these colleges, and, and you know, in the institutions, some of these uh, you know nonprofits and NGOs and so on. So this whole thing was just kind of metastasizing, and nobody's really paying attention to it because nobody took it seriously. 
But it really started to erupt in the late 80s and early 90s, and it was this whole thing with political correctness and, and so on. And it um, was a big thing in the early 90s, and it just sort of died down again. And it didn't really kick up until uh, Barack Obama was, was reelected. And, and my opinion, my very strong opinion, is the reason why it started kicking up again around 2011, 2012 was because of the Occupy movement. Because what you had in the Occupy movement is you had like this ragtag band of everybody who was sort of dissatisfied with the system. And you had people who were like libertarians talking to people who were anarchists, talking to people who were communists. I mean, you know, a lot of people were sort of uh, meeting and 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 expressing ideas that, um, you know, really threatened uh, the system by, you know, creating like a unified front. And that's why all this, you know, this woke shit started getting fed into the system because it, it, it atomized everybody into identity groups and it set everybody apart and it set everybody against each other. Um, but you know, the thing that I wrote about in that blog is just how destructive it's been to the people, you know, who take on this stuff, I mean, all these New England colleges are all going out of business. They, they, it's just, it's a bloodbath up there. All these New England colleges that are really the, 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 um, the nursery for wokeness, you know, they're really like the incubation pod for wokeness. They're all getting hammered. They're all losing money hand over fist. A lot of them just closing up shop on graduation day, you know, it's the last day of class. And they said, sorry, you know, we're closing, you know. Good luck to you. Do whatever you want with the credits. They might not be transferable because we lost our accreditation. We didn't tell you that, you know, six months ago, all this kind of stuff. And uh, everything that sort of takes on wokeness ends up losing, you know, money, losing credibility, losing uh, prestige. So you really have to wonder is, is like, what is the real goal of this stuff? Is it to um, create like this uh, Orwellian uh, communist? commutarian uh kind of state uh where, where everybody's language is being monitored or is it is it actually like the opposite is it some sort of uh insurrect you know anti-insurrectional counterinsurgency psyop that is basically destroying you know the quote-unquote left from within uh you know so i don't know yet because i don't know which way it's going but i, I mean i can certainly see you know, I can read the tea leaves and, and like everybody, you know, there's a term now. It's like get woke, go broke. And it's so true. Yeah. You know, Hollywood <clears throat> will make these woke movies and they'll lose hundreds of millions of dollars on them. It's just it's just astonishing to me. But if you look at that, like Hollywood, that whole Hollywood as being another just tentacle of the control mechanism, then it could be that they're just trying to squeeze that last bit out of it. You know, it's like that whole model is dying the network television the mainstream, and the the mainstream animal the is like <clears throat> fucking collapsing before us and it's like you know they're, they're either just trying to squeeze as much as they can out of it for the people that are so fucking into it that it doesn't matter or they're just trying to like add as much confusion to the shit as possible before it completely flops over or it's just like you know that thing that's dying on the beach that you need to stay away from because it's just flopping around and getting flailing flailing around at this point but the the way i look at it it would make sense to destroy the left because the left has always really just been a controlled puppet to the right and the fascist fucking machine so they want to dissolve that left so that it can the new you know now now they can work with instead of having a left and a right or left and a right 
quote, they'll have the new left and right. It'll just be a little further to the right. I think. Yeah, no, I agree with that. I mean, I just, I think. Further to the left. No, further. Well, well, it'll seem like it's further to the left, but what they're trying to do is act like the left because there isn't really a left and they just want to get the fucking social shit out of there. Yeah. They're trying to divide more. Yeah, that's exactly what it's it's all about, more division. It's not getting rid of the left. It's making more left and more Fracturing the left and the right into more and more. But I have a hard time. I have a hard time seeing it come from the the universities and the colleges, as opposed to in 2011 and 2012, if you think about the online payment, like the, all the PayPal's and all these online things and a guy like Soros who could spend 18 billion, which could never happen before. You could never influence the world or the culture with $18 billion through hundreds of NGOs and, and, and charities and not started that. Yeah. They started a long time ago, but now it's reached another pinnacle, a pinnacle yeah, of totally. you can just push whatever agenda you want through all these organizations. But, I think but, that's where, but I think that's just a mechanism of what we've got now because we've got the PayPal's and everything else. I think like back in the day, you didn't need that shit. You didn't need a, a million NGOs because there wasn't anyone really watching you. Yeah, you, you had people by the balls when when you had network news and a couple newspapers, and there wasn't like, you know, there wasn't a YouTube to go to, or there wasn't, you know, there's other than the dude in the parking lot putting the fucking CD on the, the CDs under your or windshield or the flyer under your windshield. You know, there wasn't there wasn't anyone causing a ruckus, so you didn't need to filter in all this weird <clears throat> dissent from the outside because it's just like, hey. Just throw that shit on the nightly news. You know, we'll throw this spin on Fox, this spin on here, this spin on here, and yeah. everyone will gobble it up in their own. Yeah, but there way. was a ruckus because Chris was just talking about the soft civil war that happened. I mean, so it might see it might seem like there wasn't yeah, but a the ruckus, soft, but there was a lot of shit happening decades ago. I think. I think they're going to run it into the ground so they can have a massive government bailout of all those universities and colleges, and then it'll all be state-owned information. Yeah, that's what I think the game they're running on the tech companies too. Yeah, they're just going to run it right into the ground and then all these people are going to complain that they're, like you said, they're not accredited so that now their degree isn't worth anything and all these people owe all this money in school loans. And so they're just going to say, look, the free market didn't work. You ran all your things into the ground. So now we're going to socialize the entire education system with a government bailout of $3 trillion. And then they're going to do the same thing with the tech companies, but they're going to do the opposite and they're going to do it in the name of free speech. going to be like, well, you know, so these private companies can do whatever they want. They're private companies. Don't worry. Uncle Sam's going to step in and nationalize them. Okay. Now Chris's turn. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Uh, thank you. <laughs> I, 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 um, yeah, to me, like woke is fake left. And, and the thing you notice about woke is it's, it's a way to kind of like look left, but not, you know, threaten your economic, uh, standing, uh, you know, there's there's never any you know with with wokeness, there's never any sense that you're going to sacrifice um, your economic advantage. And you know, the thing I always say is that you know, quote unquote, social justice is always the enemy of economic justice. And and you know, if you look at a lot of the wokeness, um, you know, really what it's about about is uh, helping along the whole process of of cheap labor. Uh, you know, quote unquote diversity, you, you, you fire somebody who's been at a company for like 30 years and uh, you, you replace them with, with, you know, diversity hires that you pay half as much to. And, you know, we see this, you know, I, I, I'm very, very skeptical about a lot of the Me Too stuff because I think what a lot of the Me Too stuff was about, if you looked at the people who really took it in the chin from that, 
It was about getting rid of like these people who have just been sitting in these jobs for a long time and aren't really producing anymore, which, you know, they become so powerful and influential that you can't really get rid of them. You know, I mean, everybody knew that Harvey Weinstein was a scumbag, you know, since day one. But, you know, he was so powerful that you couldn't really get rid of him. So his his economic uh, fortunes kind of soften. And uh, as soon as that happens, you can create this movement and and he becomes one of the casualties. So somebody, um, that guy who is uh, uh, Matt Lauer on, on, on NBC television here, um, you know, he's a guy who'd been on, in that position for more than 25 years. But, you know. He wasn't really, you know, America's uh, hero anymore. You know, the ratings were getting soft. So I, I think a lot of it was just really about just sort of clearing out the deadwood that was costing you too much money and and replacing with with cheaper hires. So you know, it's a really it's a really difficult thing. But I mean, I really think at the end of the day that that wokeness is just it's fake left. It's not real left. It's not about. Uh, equal Equality, payment. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, equal. You know, it's not about. Uh, equal access and 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 economic justice. It's it's about saying the right buzzwords so you don't have to. Um, you know, your 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 husband who's making uh, half a million dollars a year uh, selling widgets um, isn't going to lose his job because you know you you've you've blessed it with the the woke cloth. But it it, it, it like I said. When when these institutions and these uh, companies and these schools and and production companies and so on, you know, they they just they're getting hammered by it. So you really wonder what the game is. And I'm always looking for, um, you know, I'm always looking for the hidden agenda. I'm always looking for the, you know, the sneak, you know, the sting, as it were. You know, what's the sting here? Who's who's really getting played? And uh, it's just it's very hard for me to to. to to fathom at the moment, but you know, like I said, and I, I, as I detailed, I and and the stuff that I detailed in the article was really the tip of the iceberg. But it's you know, wokeness is just having absolutely devastating economic effects. You know, have you looked into the uh, <clears throat> the occult symbolism in any of this stuff? Like I saw a, a, a video, uh, a, a small, a short documentary on the uh, the Extinction Rebellion and and the symbolism and the. Uh, the ritual that's happening there. And I mean, I know you've gone back. I mean, some of your, your work is fantastic when you put together the occult and the deep state and all that. So do you see any parallels with, with that at all? Oh, sure. Um, you know, mm. it's just that, well, like when I see the extinction rebellion logo, it looks to me like the, um, it's the a reverse. Widow. Well, yeah, it it, like I think it's a reverse rune as well. Which yeah. Is well, yeah, it looks like the black widow. It's those, um, yeah, those facing triangles. sideways out hourglass yeah. yeah yeah um i'm always suspicious of any kind of symbols that you see nowadays <laughs> I, I i think that um at some point you know people who are involved in in graphic design and and brand making and you know these pr companies and just all these kind of people just sort of they got the memo, you know, they, they, if they weren't on board with it before, like they are now. So it's <laughs> yeah. just that this kind of symbolism is so ubiquitous. It's just so, uh, in your face all the time that it, it almost becomes numbing. It almost kind of cancels itself out because it's just, it's no longer a novelty. It's just everywhere you look. And, and it's, it's happening both ways, I think too, because there's more and more people interested in, 
in symbolism and the occult and, and magic and, and synchronicities. And, you know, there's a, a bunch of people read, you know, being red pilled in that way. And, and now we're realizing that a lot of the stuff, <clears throat> you know, the elites and the people that are running the fascist state that Darren's always talking about or know about this, they know about the magic. They've been involved for decades States. and they're using it, you know? States. Oh, uh, it's baked into the pie, man. It's, you know, it's baked into the bricks from day one. I mean, this is the kind of thing that, you know, I've done a lot of work on the blog. You know, I'm, I'm currently like sort of in the midst of trying to reorganize my archives because it just got to the point that it's, it, it's, there's so much material <clears throat> and I haven't really organized it very well because it's just been accumulated over the years. But I had done, you know, a lot of work looking at the history of symbolism, looking at the history of ritual, looking at the history of, you know, these holidays. And you, you just start to realize that this is just the way it is. You know, what, what had happened is that it wasn't really acknowledged, you know, and there's just sort of this consensus that, you know, a lot of the companies were trying to be, build where they were trying to market to as many people as they could, you know, as possible so they wanted to avoid anything that was going to seem in any way uh, suspicious or disreputable or you know, constantly uh, maybe have like the sort of hint of the occult, you know, whatever you, you can name, because it was all about mass marketing. So with, with the specialized marketing and, you know, the, the whole reorientation of, of the markets, it, it, it is more and more about niche marketing it's about marketing to, to to very small and specific audiences with specific interests so you just see so much of the you know so much occult stuff i mean practically satanic stuff you know i mean it's almost like I, so many uh things going on today just i just think back like back to the 80s you know what what some somebody like i don't know um Jack Chick or somebody or Tony Alamo would say, you know, they're like, see, I told you, I told you this is what's going to be happening. You know, uh, it's just, it's astonishing to me, you know, um, you know, seeing like these, uh, satanic statues on, on the steps of, uh, Capitol buildings down here. I mean, that's all, that's all a total CIA psyop, but still, I mean, it's there. So it's just, it's fascinating to me because so many things that you, you just assumed would never happen are happening. And a lot of it just has to do with that. The brakes are off, you know, and, and a lot of that has to do with the fact that, you know, you don't really see mass marketing anymore. But again, I mean, can you see us? Can you see us right now? I want to show you uh, this picture of this Hollywood report, this Hollywood reporter, whatever magazine that came out on November 15 of 2017. Okay. And it's, can you see us? Because I'll hold show it you up the... to the camera. Can... There. Yeah. Yes, yes, I can see you. We're gonna get sued now. Don't hold it up for more than three seconds. What's it? What's it? What does it say on the bottom left there? Can you hold Go it? Go ahead. Call us difficult. Right. <laughs> but the way it the way it is, it's an upside down pentagram, and it's the it's the the different colors all the way around. So you have the red, and then the black. You can hold it up closer. I was just kidding. Yeah. I think a picture, <laughs> I think a picture is okay. Oh yeah, well, and, and you see that sort of V shape in the in the in the jacket there, sure. And then the girl, yeah, I mean, and then that one girl, what's her name? That was the the mocking Jay. She's right in the middle of the whole, in the middle of the the pentagram. So that's exactly what that you were just talking about. Thing? That, that the hunger, hunger, games? The, 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 the Hunger Games girl, yeah. 
Is that Jennifer Lawrence? Yeah, I think that's right. Yep. I'm not very good at all that. Hunger Games <laughs> that is trivia, but probably pretty similar to how this ends. But I just saw that when the Me Too thing started in 20, 2017 there. That that was like one of the first magazine covers that came out talking about it. You can call us difficult, you know. Oh well, do you remember the time somebody had pointed this out on the blog, and it's 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 something that I hadn't even noticed myself. But the um, the arrangement on the cover of the Time magazine uh, was, you know, the whole thing that I'm always talking about with the the star map for Lyra, you know, the constellation Lyra, and that the women were sort of uh, arranged in in that. Um, pattern, uh, which a lot, you know, a lot of people wouldn't even pick up on, you know, I'm constantly looking at Lyra and I'm, I'm constantly looking at the symbolism, you know, behind Lyra because I, I discovered, um, almost, I, I don't even remember how I discovered it, but that the, um, the great seal, both sides actually, um, encode Lyra and that the eye in the pyramid that everybody's sort of been wondering about all this, these years is actually a star map liar, and that the 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 eye in the triangle floating above the pyramid is the is the ring nebula, which was discovered while they were working on the uh, the Great Seal. Like there was a committee set up after the American Revolution to to design the Great Seal, and in the midst of this process, the the ring nebula was discovered by a French astronomer, and they you know they took that as a sign, like. That's that to me is the meaning of an an Inuit Keptis. You know, he has favored our undertakings because they'd seen this sign in the heavens. And if you look at the uh, the obverse with the, with the eagle and the shield, I mean that is taken directly from old depictions, old star maps of Lyra, which would have the eagle in that same exact position, and instead of a shield, would have um, a harp in that that same uh, exact um, shape. Hmm. And that they, what they just did is that they turned the strings of the harp into the stripes. Mm -hmm. And, and this is not, this is not speculation on my part because actually the, the original United States, uh, passport had that image of Lyra and, uh, John, John Adams, um, who was part of the, uh, the committee to, to divine, to design the great seal was like, you know, he wanted Lyra to be, um, I don't know, uh, celebrated or canonized or you know somehow uh adored like some sort of adoration of this uh this constellation so i mean again this is not speculation on my part you, you know you can see like these early documents so what did it mean that, to them well i don't know i mean but you know i mean like there's you know the one of the stars in lyra is vega you know and of course we right. have lost you know, and, and I don't believe that Las Vegas means I don't know the fields or anything. I I, I believe I believe that Las Vegas is is a for the Vegas is a, um is a reference to Vega. Yeah, and uh, you know there's a Vega the 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 um, European Space Agency uses a Vega rocket. I mean, you just see this stuff all over the place. You know, most people don't really pay attention to it, mm. but uh, it's definitely there. And you know, when this whole thing went down in Las Vegas, because I had been looking at Las Vegas since Chris Cornell died, and and all of a sudden this happened and I'll tell you guys a story to talk about synchronicity. So as that whole situation went down in Las Vegas, I was on the air with Richard Hoagland on his show, which oh. at the time was being broadcast from a station in Las Vegas. So we were on the air in Las Vegas, like when that whole thing was going down, like literally at the same time. And then uh, we were going to do a follow-up show cause I was looking at all this, you know, Vega and all the symbolism 
and we couldn't get back on the air. Like his, he was basically banned from the air because uh, they knew I was going to be on talking about Vega and Liar and all this kind of stuff. So uh, make of that as you you know what you will. But you know, Vega, Vega and Liar are very, very important. But I, I, I don't know what exactly it means. Uh, it's open to interpretation. But I, I think that stretch of stellar real estate from Galactic Center up to Cepheus is uh, very, very important to a lot of these uh, occultists. Because I, I think that one thing that people really underestimate is the importance of star magic in a lot of these occult systems. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, if you really dig beneath the surface a lot of things that you, you puzzle over you know certainly things in the bible um are all uh stellar um allegories and metaphors and symbolism and uh, you know what it means i don't know but again this you know you guys had talked about when i was on gordon's show and we we're talking about lovecraft i mean lovecraft was always talking about the stars and how the old ones and the deep ones and the this ones and the that ones you know came from the stars through starlight and and of course i argued and I, you know, I will go to the mat to, to, to continue to argue that Lovecraft was basically reading a bunch of Alice Bailey books and saying, wow, this woman's crazy. I think this stuff would make great uh, science fiction. So there you go. We're doing a, uh, a, an event in April with David Matheson and the star, the star myths of the world. And he's got three or three or four massive books on uh, all the constellations and the old myths and how some of the myths are all um, <clears throat> intertwined with the same systems. And he was a literalist, right? He was a literalist Bible believer turned, turned, uh, star myth. Yeah, I think turned, that's true. Now yeah. he thinks it's yeah. all just a giant allegory of the stars. Yeah. Well, that's, you know, I, I, I haven't sort of, I, you know, I got busy with the book and I got busy with a bunch of other stuff. I'm going to get back into it, but, um, you know, I, I was looking at, you know, for instance, the book of Revelation and a lot of these things that people have always wondered, like, what does this mean? And what does this be- beast mean? And what does that beast mean? And like, what is this thing? You know, what's this, the, the, the poor Babylon? What, what do all these things mean? You know, and I, I kind of showed that, you know, these are all, um, again, referring to constellations in a very specific uh, area of the sky, you know, for instance, you know, I, I would argue very strongly, and I think I have the proof to back it up that the, you know, the horror Babylon mystery, Babylon, the Scarlet woman is a, is a constellation called Coma Berenices, which was based on the, um, the Egyptian, uh, queen Berenice, uh, and whose seat was in Alexandria. And of course, Alexandria sits upon many waters and, and all, all this kind of stuff. But, uh, you know, for instance, the beast from the sea to me is the cusp of cancer and Leo because it talks about the beast coming from the sea. And, you know, that that's the crab, that's c- crab coming out of the waters. It has, you know, the, the feet of, of a lion and, and the bear and all this kind of stuff. And it's all it, it, you know, if you look at a star map, you'll, you'll see that it, it's bisecting that cusp going from uh, cancer, which is on the ecliptic on the zodiac up to uh Ursa Major. Hmm. So, um, and, and going also through Leo and, and Leo Minor. So, um, I, I, you know, I very strongly believe that uh, whoever wrote the book of Revelation was very well versed in star magic. And, and I just think that star magic is just so central to uh, so many different occult systems and, and magical systems and, of course, religious systems. I think it was just forgotten. I think it was forgotten because maybe the study of the stars was, was forgotten. 
And, and, you know, one of the interesting things that you really have to take into account is that the quote unquote dark ages, um, you know, a lot of scientists believe that that was because of a, um, of a, of a volcano eruption that basically, you know, people couldn't see the stars yeah, for like yeah. 200 years. Right. Yeah. <laughs> so, I mean, they couldn't even see the sun. Yeah. So, um, I, I think that, uh, I think that was really very, very important that, that knowledge was lost. And, and, you know, when you talk about, you know, again, the great seal, which everybody's always sort of had all their theories and stuff, but I showed the, how that the great seal, you know, I did an overlay and, and it, it lines up point for point against, uh, against Lyra. And, uh, how can, you know, I don't think that's, I don't think that's coincidence, especially when you, you realize that we know for a fact that, you know, John Adams himself, the second president of the United States was, uh very fixated on Lyra and he was part of a uh, secret society called the order of the dragon. And it's, it's very interesting because everybody thinks, Oh, the, the founding fathers were all Freemasons. And, and that's just not true. Um, a lot of them were, but a lot of them were, were members of all these other kind of secret societies. And, and the case in point would be the, you know, Adam's father and son who were part of this order of the dragon that was specifically, I mean, it was explicitly anti-Masonic. They, they, you know, John Adams, uh, John Quincy Adams, was actually uh, a, a presidential candidate for the anti-Masonic party. So that's wow. a, that's how, I mean, that's something that has completely been written out of our history. I mean, this guy was a president of the United States, and then he became a candidate for the anti-Masonic party. And people have just completely forgotten this stuff. You know, it's been written out of the history. So um, I don't know. You know, I, I think, think we were you know, taught that. I don't know. What, I learned. I think we were taught that in like sixth or seventh well, grade in, in Virginia. <laughs> no, he's no, American, no, he's he's though. an American. I'm American. American. I, I grew up in Virginia, so like I I think I remember that being taught about how the two parties were. There was a the anti Masonic party, and it was really big, and it was very powerful, and it shut down a lot of things. But it also well, kind whole- of almost seemed like it was like um like it wasn't real. Like it was almost controlled so that it could quiet everything down so that they could make more make it more of a secret type thing almost but i i think that's debatable i mean but one of the things that the anti-masonic party did is that um it's really responsible for the um creation of all these uh, senior societies and these college fraternities i mean like the greek system i mean all these organizations really have their um roots in freemasonry and freemasonry sort of became disreputable and uh, that led to, ironically, Skull and Bones and Scroll and Key and Wolf's Head and all these, you know, senior societies at Yale and all these other, you know, Phi Beta Kappa. I mean, all these um, fraternities and so on were really created by Freemasons to maintain that system without having, you know, the, the Masonic uh, tinge that had become sort of disreputable. But you know, of course, by the late 18th century, early 19th century, um, that you know, the anti anti Masonic party was totally forgotten, and you had record numbers of men. I, I you know, it would almost be something like, I don't know the percentage of adult men, but it was, I think there was like 20 or 30 million men involved in Freemasonry, like at the turn of the century in this country, and I'm sure it wasn't that much different up the, up in Canada either. Wow, probably not. No. Yeah, it's been here just as long for sure. So did, was there any history to the um, that you know about to the Order of the Dragon? Like, I wonder where that it, all came from. I believe, um, you know, it's 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 interesting because 
there's not a lot of history because a lot of these secret societies were actually secret. Yeah. You know? yeah, it, yeah. Um, you know, the, they were legitimately secret. Um, uh, I don't know if you, uh, had Tracy Twyman on your show, the late great. No, no, we, we, we didn't No, but she had, um, she had been involved back in the nineties with a, with a dragon society. Um, there was a guy named Nicholas Devere who claimed to be a descendant of Dracula and, um, was, was part of this, uh, dragon society. And I, I I'm thinking that, that possibly, uh, this order of the dragon that John Adams was part of might've been connected in some way to that. Mm. But you, know, you have the situation where the, um, the Royal family of, of Britain, uh, claims to be descended from, you know, <laughs> Vlad the Impaler, right? Uh, so I, there's probably some sort of connection there. But again, I mean, Dracula, dragon, um, that's Draco. That's the constellation of Draco. Uh, you know, I think that's that's pretty clear when you look at the symbolism. And Draco is, is interesting because the symbolism in the Bible, what it's really referring to is that, you know, around the northern pole of the celestial globe uh you have this um what looks to be like some sort of competition between draco and cepheus and cepheus is is god i mean cepheus uh, the word means gardener right so it's the garden of eden and the garden of eden is is again that that stretch of of the milky way in between um galactic center and, and cepheus is which is the head of it and if you look at the uh the original um the Jewish priest Moses, it, the uh, turban that they had was was shaped like the constellation of Cepheus. So uh, I I think that the that symbolism and and that mythology, you know, of 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 the dragon trying to usurp God's power has to do with uh, the pole stars, because uh, because of uh, procession, and because of you know that wobble in in, in the ecliptic. Um, the pole star changes, right? I mean, every few, th- I don't know how many thousands of years, but, uh, every, every s- several thousands of years, the, the, uh, the pole star changes. And that, um, I think this knowledge was, was passed down. Cause I, I think it has been, uh, you know, these things have been observed for tens of thousands of years. Yeah. And, uh, you know, this, the symbolism and this mythology was, um, was again, it was secret. I mean, it was secret in Babylon where, where so much of the star magic, um, came into the West. Um, you know, and Gordon talks about that. This, um, really comes from Asia. It's, it's, it's a much earlier, what he calls the Laurasian, um, culture. It's a much earlier, like tens and tens of thousands of years because, you know, there was enough time to, to watch the pole star change. Right. So I, I think the symbolism, you know, it comes into the West through uh, Zoroastrianism, which was um, kind of the dominant religion during the what, what was called the Babylonian captivity when when all the biblical material was written. And, uh, you know, a lot of the stuff, I mean, it's, it's just all like venerated ancient star magic and, uh, you know, the Draco and the dragon and all this kind of symbolism uh, really, I think, um, comes from there. But it's also the sort of, Again, this the, that real estate in the sky went from Hydra, which is just below the ecliptic, to Draco, and and those are sort of the twin dragons that um, you know they guard, uh, 
you know, this where you have uh, Virgo and Leo and Orion and all these like really all those really central, powerful constellations that so many of our myths are derived from. Hmm. And and then we got electricity and we went indoors. Yes, and, and nobody and we, looks at the stars anymore. <laughs> like that has probably, that has something to do with it. I mean, you know, what were you saying? It does. Well, you know, it's funny because all right. So here's an interesting story. So, um, I'm from Boston, right? And you know, very urban area, um, a lot of light pollution, and where I was living in particular, just tremendous light pollution. And I never really saw the stars, okay? And then I come down in Jersey and you have all this light pollution from New York and, and all the rest of it. And there's a highway right near here. Um, we had gone on vacation down to the Cape Cod and we went to the drive-ins, uh, you know, out in uh, Wellfleet, which is, you know, right near Provincetown. So you're like right on the edge of the Cape there. I don't know if you guys are familiar with that mm -hmm. geography there. Mm -hmm. But um, we were watching, uh, of all films, so this is back in the 90s. We were watching, uh, at the drive-ins, we were watching Men in Black 2. <laughs> and, uh, you know, we'd been there, you know, we'd been in the car. And then, like, everybody's like, oh, you know, I want ice cream, I want soda, I want popcorn, and all this kind of stuff. So I'm, I'm, I'm going out to, the, you know, to the refreshment stand. And I look up, and there's the goddamn Milky Way. And I'm like, <laughs> son of a bitch. I'd never, I, I thought, you know, when you'd see these depictions of the Milky Way in magazines and stuff, and I always thought it was just a painting. I always thought it was fake. And it's like holy shit there it is right above my head oh my god like what the hell i was just like i was transfixed by it and he, because there's every damn star in the sky like right above your head because there's no light pollution out there you're so far from boston yeah and it just blew my mind and i'm sure you guys are up in you know near calgary i'm sure you can go like an hour away oh and yeah go yeah. up yeah. mountains yeah. and just see just see the same damn thing and it just it boggles your mind you're like oh okay you know, and, and getting back to Gordon again, <clears throat> you know, Gordon was like, you know, that was television. That, that was the show. That was the movies. Yeah. For exactly. tens and tens and tens of thousands of years, yeah. you know, uh, you know, the sun would go down and you'd go out and you'd look at the stars and, you know, tell all these stories about them. Mm -hmm. and, yeah. And imagine uh, how many shooting stars you'd see at every like half a year, the, the, the Perseid, Perseides or whatever. What's the other one that comes through? The torrid, yeah, the torrid, the torrid shower. I mean, you'd you'd have all this stuff mapped out and timelines and everything, and you'd see all this stuff come through on a regular basis. And yeah, that's why we're going to Utah. And where are we going for? Yeah, you've got to uh, get Bryce out to Utah. Canyon, Bryce Canyon, Utah Zion, for, for our Star Myth uh, weekend. It's it's yep. gonna be. Fantastic. I have no idea how many stars there are until you go out there. Until yeah. you go to Bryce? Oh, I'm sure. I can, I can just Do you think it. it's a coincidence that the Mormons ended up there? You know, Mormons, which is totally Masonic and, <laughs> and totally like ancient astronaut theory. I mean, the whole thing, you know, right? There's um, a lot of stuff it, in that area for sure that's That's weird. a good point. Yeah. It's going to be a hell of a trip. There's two spots left. Yeah. Uh, where was I going with well, that? Well, no, just like just in summation, though, because like so people like here like – People have two reactions when you start talking about star magic because they're like, oh, that's every, everything just becomes astrology. And it's like, no, no, like astrology is like a very specific thing. It's, you know, it's about those 12 constellations on the ecliptic and, and the planets and the relation to it. It's, you know, to me, it's very boring because, you know, there are 88 constellations and you're focusing on 12, like really. But um, it's really at the core. Like I've been reading a lot of Kenneth Grant stuff lately. Don't ask me why. I think it's because I'm completely masochistic. <laughs> But, um, you know, he's always going on about the stuff. And Crowley was always going about the stuff, you know, the, the Astrum Argentum. And, and then that thing, you know, that 
Alan Moore thing where he's based on Lovecraft. It's the Stella Sapiente, the wise stars. So it's, uh, it's really something that people don't look at because they, they just, they don't get, you know, it doesn't make any sense to them. Again, you know, we're all westernized and television and electricity and all this crap. We don't really take it seriously, but believe me, it's, it's for real and it's heavy and some of it can get really dark, you know, I mean, something can get really dark and heavy because it's all about like, you know, I think a lot of the, uh, human sacrifice rituals throughout history were sort of based on, you know, the, the, the sun and the constellations and all this kind of stuff. I mean, you know, we know that about a lot of the Mesoamerican, uh, customs and everything but like i said you know kenneth grant this kind of crazy lovecraft crowley you know catches catch can anything that you know it all has to do with like raping 13 year old girls when you get really get to the core of the symbolism and it's really fucked up but it's all about you know it's all about the stars and the positions of the stars and the sky and all this kind of stuff people don't take it very seriously because it just doesn't seem like kind of heavy metal but it's it is very heavy metal it's very serious i think astronomy and astrology are like anatomy and a physiology so that the two have to go together the one is just the parts and pieces the function the form and the other one is the function and you need to see them together and that's what a lot of people i think are still missing is that you have these large orb bodies that are creating these tonal resonances that affect all sorts of things the way that they when the when it vibrates out and I think well, that's what a lot the... of people have made these, you know, there's certain frequencies that are coming from certain places in the galaxy and you tune in to that vibration and then you can begin to harness the energy from it. Well, you know what else is coming from, from the stars is like massive amounts of radiation. Yes, yeah. You know? And cosmic dust and all that. And, all yeah, that and, and neutrons and positrons and, and, you know, you name it, all these uh, uh, cosmic particles and stuff. And, you know, there are a lot of theories. I mean, there are a lot of theories that, like, human evolution is the product of, like, Stardust. the Earth being bombarded mm -hmm. with uh, neutrinos mm -hmm. from a supernova. And that basically sort of kick-started the process. And, uh, you know, one of the things I've been looking at is the supernova that took place in 1987, which was, like, it was actually visible. You could see it in the sky, which is really unusual for these things, mm -hmm. even though it's like, the, you know, they say it's in an, I, I, I'm, I, I'll tell you something. When I read a lot of astronomy and astrophysics stuff, I, I get to be very suspicious because it just, some of it just seems like a little outlandish, like, oh yeah, we, we took, we took a, an inch square um, photograph with the Hubble and there's like 10 trillion galaxies there. It's like, okay, you know, whatever. Yeah. Funding time, funding time, you know, grant time, you know, uh, but, uh, uh, yeah, I, I think that uh, that's another thing that's really, um, it's, it's misunderstood. And I think a lot of these occult groups are very, very oriented to, towards the stars. And, and I think, you know, what Lovecraft was talking about in the call of Cthulhu and, and a lot of that kind of, um, that mythos, the Cthulhu mythos. I don't think he was just pulling that out of his hat. I mean, we know that he was very interested in astronomy, but I think he knew. I think he had access to a lot of these um, uh, secret societies that planned a lot of their rituals according to the to the stars, you know, the, 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 the certain constellations rising. And like I said, some of that stuff could get really heavy and dark, you know. It was not... Um, it wasn't, for, you know, it wasn't play. They were They were not kidding. They were not fooling around with that stuff. 
It's being progressive. You continue to go in one direction. It leads to all sorts of crazy stuff after a while. Well, the thing that worries me, you know, the thing that worries me again, you know, we're talking about like the whole idea of like mass marketing and how that sort of put the brakes on a lot of crazy stuff. Um, you know, the thing that I worry about and, and, you know, I'm not alone in this, but it, to me, um, it seems like certainly in America and, and probably in Canada as well, is that I just think that people are losing their minds. I think people are going insane. Mm -hmm. And I think people are going insane because they can't process all the information that they're being bombarded with every day. Shock and and awe. you have, yeah, it, you, well, exactly. And then you have all these like crazy occultists and these crazy Satanists and these crazy whoever, you know, people who just like to stir shit up, just constantly feeding all these memes and, and symbols and, and all the stuff into the system. And if it's not affecting you consciously, it's, it's affecting you subconsciously. I mean, occult symbols to me are not, they're not play, you know? I mean, I think a lot of them have like an innate power that they weren't designed, they were discovered, you know what I mean? Like these, a lot of the symbolism was not something that somebody goes, oh, you know, I'm, I've got my compass and my rule is I'm going to do this and this looks cool. I don't think it has anything to do with well, that. I think a lot of stuff was tech. revealed. Yeah. And then the other thing is the, the you know, the, the, the massive problem is the egregores from the negativity and the fear porn of the mainstream media. I mean, mm -hmm. that's got to be affecting everybody tenfold totally. to, to that. Everybody's oh, super anxious now. Egregores. And also the drugs, right? Also the pharmaceuticals. Yeah. I mean, you know, one, one thing that I've, I've been talking to people about, you know, when you go on Twitter and everybody is just like, oh, you know, well, first of all, they're constantly on an, an emotional knife's edge, but, you know, they're all sort of self-diagnosing them, you know, as uh, PTSD or mm -hmm. autistic or, you know, all these kind of, you know, all this kind of stuff. And to me, I think what a lot of this has to do with is like getting these pharmaceuticals and, and staying on them. And, uh, you know, because... Um, a lot of them are, are, you know, a lot of these heavy stimulants, but a lot of these, uh, a lot of these medications, opioids, of course, um, you know, I, I was on opioids for 13 years. I mean, it was all prescribed and everything like that, but it's, I'll tell you, I was a mess. I was an absolute mess. I mean, I was just like constantly in a state of like emotional crisis, wow. you know, the, the, the damn drugs, you know, it's like these goddamn opioids. It's like they're really, you know, why do you think junkies are the way they are, yeah, you know? Yeah. So you got, so you got off them though? Okay. Oh yeah. Well, I, it wasn't okay. No, I no, it was, was a hard. Yeah. But it was hard, man. It was, it was brutal. But you um, got your life back. Well, I, it's funny cause I wasn't just on opioids. I was on, um, uh, benzodiazepines, um, Clonopin and Valium and shit like that, which is some in some ways that that stuff is worse. Um, I was on uh, just all kinds of like a, a an epileptic medicine, which I really shouldn't have been on, and it's super super toxic. Uh, I mean, they were giving me like antipsychotics, sleep aids. I mean, all this Holy crazy shit. crazy stuff that like it was all being used off label. Like I wasn't supposed yep. to be taking this stuff mm -hmm. with like what they they wanted me to take. And, uh, you know, and this I'll is all you, doc prescribed. Yeah. Well, the doctor got his license pulled. Oh. Surprise, surprise. Um, oh my God. It was, it was brutal. And, and I'll tell you something, you know, the thing with the opioids and stuff, I mean, I think that opioids, 
Like if you get into a car accident and you just had surgery, like take Percocet or whatever, you know, you need that, you know, just sort of get over that hump. Mm -hmm. But I think long term, I think they actually make pain worse. I think they create pain. I think they, they, they screw up the signals, you know, your uh, dopamine and neuropronephrine and all these kind of yep. uh, serotonin, all these uh, chemicals that sort of keep you on an even keel and keep you like, you know, kind of cool. Uh, they, they mess with those those brain chemicals so badly that they actually manufacture pain. And my pain was just like completely out of control. It just kept, the more pills I took, the worse the pain got. Cool. I'm like, what the hell's going on? You know, I, I was like, I was like debilitated. It was brutal, man. I, I was just like, I, I'd have days and days and days where I just, I couldn't do anything. I couldn't read. I couldn't sleep. I couldn't watch TV. I just like lie in bed and writhe from this incredible pain. And, uh, I just realized, oh, it's like, oh shit, man, these drugs, are, these drugs are causing this stuff. They're not fixing it. They're, they're causing it. And you just kind of wonder like what kind of fucked up Orwellian arconic, you know, kind of thing is that, you know, that they, they have you taking these cocktails of drugs that make whatever problem you have worse. So like I said, when I go on Twitter and I see the way these people are just like so amped up emotionally and like have these hair trigger tempers and just ready to go off on anybody for any reason, I'm like, yeah, you know what? I think you're probably on a shit ton of pharmaceuticals and they're just completely messing your brain up. I think social media you don't does even that need to too, be. though. Yeah, like I stay off Twitter for that reason and yeah. I ain't on shit except maybe some weed. And it's like, you go, I got to stay off Twitter because if I start going through the shit too much, I'm just I, all of a sudden I'm reading. You're it. triggered. Yeah. And now I'm this, what, what is this guy saying? And now what's this guy up to? It's like, oh my God. And then I catch my blood pressure going up. So I'm like, I'm out of here. So this is why you got to stay away from all of it. The Facebook, yep. the Twitter, the news cycle, all that shit is poison. And then you couple that with the fake food and the terror and the fear and the news and the comparing your life to everyone else and everything else. And it's like, no wonder everyone's fucking hooked on drugs yeah, and overeating it's designed and, to destroy and us. addicted to everything else. Cause they need to dis distract from the fact that they don't have any real fucking connection in their lives. Cause everyone's mm -hmm. staring at a fucking screen all day. Yep. Oh, I agree with you, man. It's like, get outside. I've been getting outside a lot. And, uh, or just talk to someone, like talk to someone when you're in the waiting room at the doctor's office or wherever. I mean, I don't know, but you know, what's funny is cause like, I'm always talking to people and they look at me like I'm fucking crazy. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> I was trying to talk to the, you know, at the airport, they got the little old ladies that wear the white hats, the white hat ladies. They, I think they're all Cowboy volunteers. Hats? Yeah. They're there to like greet people when they come oh, in. Yeah. Yeah. And I know there's like a circle. That's an Alberta thing. Yeah, yeah it's totally an Alberta <laughs> thing. But I just went over to try to start talking to them because they were there. And I'm like, hey, they're just like startled. It's like, I don't know. This is where the world's gotten to, I guess. Well, they probably trained that you're making a distraction oh. and that something else is going to happen. No, So no, that's why you've approached no. them. I don't know. I I'm sure they're trained. They're not just regular grandmas with cowboy hats, are they? Some people really like it when you talk to them and other people are scared. Yeah. It's too bad. Maybe I'm scary. Maybe. You're a little scary. Yeah, I, don't think I think you're that people scary, definitely though. need to get outside, though. I, I think, like, just getting, like you said, off the screen. and Everyone needs more nature, for sure. Getting yeah. out in the world. And yeah. and you know what? Um, animals, too. Like, dogs. Dogs will, will, will cure what ails you. Yeah, I think like we're going to get Hanging out dog. and chilling with a dog. Yeah. You know, dogs, dogs will fix you up. No, dogs you dogs are high maintenance. Cats are the way where it's at. That's a dogs are dog. a little high maintenance <laughs> compared to a cat for sure. 
Now we're getting a Weimariner, which is, I guess, a cat-like dog. Really? Yeah. This is much worse. Yeah. A cat-like dog? Supposedly. It cleans itself more so like a cat. Like Can it, it go in the litter like box? A cat. No, no, no. It still goes outside. You should get but... some of that, like, fake grass shit. Oh, oh that stuff's expensive. Yeah. Yeah. But then you're just cleaning I, I up that... one spot all the time. The high maintenance is good though, because it gets you out of your own head. Yeah. You know, it's it's like having you know, like I I my kids are all grown now. I mean, my youngest kid now is eighteen. My oldest kid is, oh Jesus, thirty two. Um, and uh, I'll tell you something, you know, getting out of your own head and 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 caring for some for, for another creature is is good for the soul. You know, it, I think one of the problems that we have in this culture, and you guys have talked about the social media and all this kind of stuff, and I totally agree is that it just locks you inside your own head, you know, your own ego and your own interests. And, uh, you know, that's unique. That's, that's a new thing. I mean, you, you had hermits and weirdo artists and Vincent Van Gogh who are like that, but now every, like half the population is like that. You know what I'm saying? It's <laughs> yeah. like, you yeah, got to get out of your own damn head. Small numbers. Yeah. Yeah. You, you got to get out of it though, because, um, you know, it's a bad place to be. And again, like, you know, so not only do you have the social media and all the pharmaceuticals and, 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 you know, the, and now you get the hormones that everybody's taking and all this kind of stuff. I mean, uh, I, I think that just being locked inside your own head. I mean, I know being locked inside my own head's a terrible place to be you know? <laughs> a lot of demons in there, man. So, uh, just getting outside of that, I think is really healthy and, and really beautiful. You know? Well, you must've got a little bit of that out in your book there. I mean, I, I read your book and it was like, I was watching a movie. It was great. Everybody says that. <laughs> really? Yeah. I mean, it yeah. felt like I was watching a movie. What's the book called? I was like, it's, he will live up in the sky. I think it's called, is that what it's called? Yeah. It was, he will live up in the he, sky. Yeah it, yeah. it was fantastic. It's like, it's like a, international like a spy th spy paranormal you know thriller with you know secret occult societies and, oh, and uh, ufos with, uh... and and music and musicians and detectives and so it's I, like I, more detailed Dan like Brown. the the military industrial complex kind of like fill in with carl's book <clears throat> it's fantastic Carl yeah. carl's yeah. book was very similar yeah. to that cool. i forget what it's called and we wrote the foreword for it sorry carl yeah <laughs> No, I appreciate that. Um, I'll tell you one of my inspirations, <clears throat> two inspirations, really. X-Files? But uh, Well, X-Files always. <laughs> but um, Robert Anton Wilson's uh, Illuminatus trilogy. I don't know if you guys have read that. I haven't um, yet. But all, no. Well, you, you know, you, you have. You just don't realize it. Yeah, exactly. It's sort of bled into the culture. <laughs> yeah. But also, uh, there's a book called, um, I don't know if you guys are familiar with the uh, Italian uh, novelist, um, Umberto Eco. There was that movie, The Name of the Rose, with Sean Connery and everything back in the 80s. But he had written a book called Foucault's Pendulum, which was really sort of, it kick-started this whole, like, Templar thing back in the early 90s. And, uh, you know, certainly Da Vinci Code and a lot of these books were sort of, um, you know, bastardized stepchildren of that. Um, but, you know, what Echo had done is that he'd sort of created this, you know, very complex uh, thriller, but had leavened it with Reams and reams and reams of historical information. Uh, it's it's really a fantastic book uh, in in every way. It's it's marvelously entertaining, but it's also incredibly informative. But That's you know, best. I read this back. Yeah, I read this back in the '90s, and it, it's just like I was just like, oh man, I got to write a book like that someday. You cool. know? I mean, it just really, really, uh, really 
had a huge influence. Yeah, that's what my favorite type is. The fi- it's like a fiction based on facts. Like you can see how it's taken from it's a what could be really happening in in a you know not exactly, but really could be happening at some level like in, in our current in our current world. Yeah, yeah, but more so where you learn things instead well, of instead just being of like- ideas that are kind of ideas that you hadn't really thought of that you start putting things together, but instead it really breaks it down and tells you like step-by-step step how this castle is built or something, you know, and why. And so you learn things from it. Are you going to do any, another one or? Well, yeah. I mean, it's funny because this book, uh, the, the, the paperback is 370 pages, I think. And, uh, it would have been a lot bigger. I'd cut a lot of material out. Um, (laughs) and, uh, you know, I'd also, um, like what had happened when I first started plotting this book, I'd sort of plotted like a trilogy and, uh, you know, some of the material got cut and some of it got put in from other sources and everything, but I I definitely have the second book, uh, plotted out. And, uh, you know, I, I, I want to amp up that kind of tension that I started with the book. I mean, you know, I think it's pretty obvious when you read the last chapter that I'm, I am kind of setting up the, the inevitable sequel, uh, you know, God willing. Um, but you know, I really wanted to, uh, write a book, like you said, that has that, that movie, you know, that thrill ride kind of feeling. And again, get, I keep mentioning Gordon, but you know, one of the things that we're sort of discussing is that, you know, we're both like so disillusioned with with Hollywood, and we're disillusioned with just television and mass media and and in general. And and you know, I think it's really time to get back to the written word. You know, get back to books, getting back to novels, getting people. You know, particularly men who don't read anything anymore. It seems getting men to read novels again. I you know, I think it's really important. And uh, you know, I think it's you know, it's just your brain acts so much differently when you're reading a book than it is when you're just sort of sitting back and, and watching television. And I, I think that it's, it's just much healthier, you know, it's certainly much healthier to read a book than, you know, spend all your time on Facebook or whatever. So, uh, you know, I, I think that, you know, part of the, the, I don't want to say the resistance because, you know, that word has been sort of bastardized and it sounds stupid anyway, but, you know, sort of like countering the, the, the toxic effects of the mass media is just getting back to, you know, what anybody can do, just like writing a book, you know, the written word. And, you know, that it, I, I, I do believe it's a form of magic, you know, I, I, when you can just sit down with nothing but words and create like this entire world in, in somebody's imagination, uh, you know, I think that's an incredible, powerful thing, you know, creating characters that never existed, that were never born, but just seem like completely real to people, you know, and that's something that I've experienced my entire life with different books that I've read, you know, that I, I feel like I know these people and, you know, particularly if it's a, a series of books, you know, very heavily influenced by detective stories, a huge Elmore Leonard fan, uh, Ed McBain, a lot of these kind of people, but just being able to create uh, a reality with the spoken word or the written word, you know, I think audiobooks are great. I'm, I'm, I'm actually working on an audiobook for, for this. Now I want to do an audiobook version of this. So, um, you know, I think it's just a good way. And certainly podcasts like this are a great uh, antidote to the mass media. Um, so I, I just think it's really just time to wean ourselves off this incredibly toxic and, and all pervasive uh, beast that is uh, mass media. 100% all of it. 
Well, video and audio together. That's like my mantra right now. Just get the fuck rid of all that stuff. Cancel your cable. Well, you've been reading lots of books too. Lately. I've been I mean, reading lots fa- of books. And novels as well. Like you, you, you just described exactly where Darren's at. It's I just like finished. Just got into the fiction stuff. And yeah. I just started 100 Years of Solitude. Do you have, what are some of your favorite novels? Uh, well, I'll tell you, my favorite novel of all time is A Confederacy of Dunces by John Kennedy Toole. Did you ever read that one? No, but I'll throw it on my list. Um, well, the thing that I, I, I was terrified, like a few years ago, they were talking, they were going to do a, um, a movie of it with uh, Will Ferrell. Mm-hmm. And I was just like, oh, God, don't, uh, please don't ever do that. Mm-hmm. Um, and actually, I think at some point, I, th- I believe they were talking about doing one with John Candy. Um, so A Confederacy of Dunces um, is a screamingly funny book. Uh, it's set in New Orleans in the 60s. And it was written by a guy who, um, so he'd written this book and he couldn't get a publisher for it. I mean, I have no idea why he couldn't get a publisher for it because it's so brilliant, but Maybe it was a little ahead of its time. So he couldn't get a publisher for it. So he killed himself. It's a terrible, terrible story. And then somebody, uh, I think his mother had sent the, the manuscript to somebody in New York, one of the big publishing houses at the time. And they were like, oh my God, this is the most brilliant novel I've ever read in my life. And it was published and it sold millions of copies and it won the Pulitzer and this and that. And, you know, all this kind of stuff. And it, I was reading it back when I was working in New York and I'm, I'm like on the subway reading this book. And I'm just like, nearly wetting myself laughing and everybody was like what are you reading <laughs> like what are you reading and i was like oh this book confederacy of dances and all this kind of stuff but uh, i am also i i loved uh, martin amos's books uh, his his earlier books uh money uh dead babies uh the rachel papers uh london fields um are you guys familiar with martin amos at all no Br- british novelist uh british novelist um and again, like uh, sort of a social sat- satirist, uh, but um, extremely, I, I, you know, I love humor. I love, I love to laugh when I'm reading a book. Uh, Elmore Leonard, uh, any number of his books, um, huge fan of his. Uh, and of course, a lot of his books have been made into really good movies. Um, Jackie Brown, which is made from Rum Punch. Uh, my favorite Tarantino movie, by the way. Uh all, all kind of, the the one with uh, what was that George Clooney and uh, Jennifer Lopez? What was that movie called? Plays the bank robber. What's that? I said George Clooney is a spy. Oh yeah! Oh my god! Hundred percent. No kidding. <laughs> but uh, he he did some good movies for a while. Um, but that's a great you know and that uh, get shorty uh, that um, John Travolta and Gene Hackman are in. Uh, just a lot of good adaptations of his stuff i'm just thinking who else i mean just so much but you know i definitely i definitely lean towards genre you know i'm a big uh oh oh one of my favorite writers you, again you guys might not know him but a guy named james lee burke who um so a few of his things have been written, made into movies there was a movie called uh, in the electric mist which was based uh, tommy lee jones starred in it was based on a book he had written called uh in the electric mist with confederate dead which was actually the first first book of his i read um, yeah, I, a lot of genre stuff. I, you know, I'm not like, I guess I'm not super sophisticated, but I, you know, I really liked, I, I just really enjoyed being entertained. Yeah. Uh, you know, there's a, a, a guy from Boston who, um, I, I really kind of cut my teeth on a guy named, um, <clears throat> Robert B. Parker and he'd written the, the Spencer books and they got really, really bad after a while, but like the first, 
10 years of the Spencer books were just absolutely brilliant. Uh, and that became a TV series and there've been a bunch of TV movies uh, based on his stuff. And then he had written uh, some other books that Tom Selleck had starred in uh, adaptations of, but, uh, you know, I love detective stuff cause I love procedural. I love mysteries. I love like trying to figure things out. You know, I, I love that kind of thing. So, uh, would you make yeah. a movie out of yours then? Or would or you try to do that? I, or I, <laughs> you know, it's funny. Cause, um, everybody's like, what are you writing fiction for? I thought you were a nonfiction guy. Well, it, actually I started out like back in the nineties, I was writing, uh, I was trying to get into screenplays, you know, like, uh, trying to get into Hollywood, which, which, um, uh, ironically the last, well, not, I thought okay, you had so, comics in your background too, somehow. Well, yeah, well, I, so I did some comics and, and one of the comics I did, I, um, uh, Kevin Smith, do you guys know, know Kevin Smith is, yeah. Uh, James Silent Bob striking yeah, back yeah. Uh, clerks. So he was a big fan of this comic series I did. So I talked to him and, and his people were like, well, listen, you know, you should write a screenplay and, you know, we're tight with the Weinsteins and, you know, we'll, we'll get this thing going for you and everything like that. So I'd worked with one of his people and, um, Harvey, uh, no, I, I'd worked with a guy named Ro Robert Hawk, who, um, was basically the guy who discovered Kevin Smith. Uh, when who discovered clerks and I'd worked with him and, and on the script and everything. I mean, he didn't work on the script, but he was sort of like, you know, my, uh, I don't know what the term is. <laughs> it's been so long, but so, uh, you know, basically he was sort of like agent in a way, not even agent, but it was like, he, he was a script consultant, basically what it, what it boils down to. So anyway, so I, I had gone through this whole rigmarole and there was actually a studio in New York um, before I even got in touch with Kevin Smith, I was interested in it. And they ended up doing a movie called uh, Jawbreaker with uh, Rose McGowan and uh, a, a couple other things. But they, they sort of dipped out of the movie business uh, pretty early on. But anyway, the whole point of this is that, you know, I've been writing a lot of screenplays and stuff and, and written some comic books and everything. And, you know, so really it was fiction. That's where I came from. You know, I came from like uh, creating characters and, and all this kind of thing. And uh, I'm always happy whenever I hear anything um, bad happen to uh, the Weinstein brothers because um, after this long and extraordinarily torturous process, my script had, had ended up on um, Bob, uh, Bob Weinstein's desk because he was running a, 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 a sort of a subdivision of uh, Miramax called Dimension. And so this whole big, long thing, and he just basically passed on it and, uh, you know, said, oh, we've got something like this in production already. You know, this is the usual Hollywood yeah. nonsense. Yeah. And uh, I was just like crushed because I was like, really? After all that time? So I always have sort of a chip on my shoulder about the Weinsteins. So I think anytime anything bad happens to them, I'm always like re really, really, really happy to hear it. Of course, I mean, they have a lot. They made so many enemies because they were just, uh, well, I don't know about Bob, but, you know, certainly Harvey was just a total scumbag for so long. Um, but then, uh, well, here's another interesting story for you guys. Uh, and this sort of like, I, I don't know if like, you know, it was my awakening or whatever. But um, so I was working on this uh, script with, with a buddy of mine and he, he lived in uh, South End Avenue in Manhattan. And I don't know if you guys are familiar with South End Avenue, but it's, you know, his apartment building was across the street from the World Trade Center. And we were working on this script in the summer and late summer of 2001. <laughs> and at the time, I was actually um, working in lower Manhattan, uh, a, a production house on, on, on Lafayette Street. So I was taking, I was always like every day of the week, 
in the summer of 2001, particularly like August and early September, I was in like the World Trade Center. I was, you know, I was either taking the, the, you know, the train to the World Trade Center to, to hang out with like my buddy and work on the script. A lot of times I was taking the ferry, but, you know, or I was taking uh, the, the train to World Trade Center to um, work for this company. And for some reason, I had that Tuesday off and I no. don't know why. I don't like, I literally don't know why. Cause I, I know I was in, I was, I was in New York the, the previous day. I was, I was in New York on Monday and I don't know. I, they said, Oh, we don't need you tomorrow or something like that. So I was like, Oh, I'm going to sleep in. And I, I think I slept till like 11 o'clock and my wife woke me up and said, you got to come down and see what's going on in the television. Cause she was just freaking out. Wow. And, uh, but I'll tell you something. It's like literally every, almost everybody I knew was in Manhattan that day. Like all my friends were in Manhattan that day. Like everybody, I was like, working for or friendly with and uh and i'll tell you something else um the day before a 9 10 that night um my but a buddy of mine had called and said that his cancer had returned uh like a 9 10 uh of uh 2001 and his name was richard grasso and i don't know if that name means anything to you but richard grasso was the head you know talk about synchronicity he was the head of the new york stock exchange on 9 11 so, uh, and my buddy's name was Richard Grasso and he, wow. he, you know, passed away in, uh, in, in January of, uh, 2002. So there was just like, I just had so many crazy synchronicities with 2001 and, and, um, my son's best friend or one of his best friends at the time was, um, his father was New York fire department and this kid, like this kid, I guess he was, uh, 14 years old at the time. He, he personally knew 50 guys who died in, in the, in the towers that day. And then like next door to me, the guy, um, the guy next door to me is a bagpipe player. And, and he was, uh, he's always like in you know, funerals and, and parades and stuff. And he was out there practicing every single day. And I'm like, Oh, there goes another funeral. You know what I mean? So it was crazy. It was just so nuts that, you know, people just don't realize how crazy that was. Yeah, and, and like yeah. being where I am, uh, you know, like, um, you know, one of my son's best friends, uh, his father died that day. And, like 17 people from this, this town I'm in died that day. And, it, it, you know, talk about like your apocalyptic mood, you know, and it just, it, that whole experience just like completely changed my life. But just the fact that, you know, I was like in New York every day, every day of the week, because I was in there on weekends working on the script with my buddy, you know, who lived right across the street. Oh, and, and here's the other thing I, I neglected to, <laughs> to mention is that he and his wife were like in the plaza when that all went down and his wife was nearly killed because, you know, one of the towers come down, there's all this smoke and all this crap. And she got separated from him and she couldn't find her, her daughter. She got separated from her daughter. She's like four years old at the time. And like, you know, and then the other tower comes down and like literally some guy just like out of nowhere, she never even saw who it was like grabs her and her daughter and like pulls her out of, you know, out of, you know, to safety and stuff. Wow. But that, that just totally messed my friend up. I mean, it just like completely, uh, it just, it ruined his life, you know, cause he's sitting there with his daughter who's in a stroller at the time and they're watching people falling out of the buildings and everything like that, like right in front of him. You know, he wasn't watching that on TV, you know what I'm saying? So, uh, yeah, I think a lot of that, you know, really, <laughs> I guess it ruined my life too. You know? <laughs> yeah. It changed well, everything. Uh, yeah, it did. Yeah, yeah, it really did. It yeah. changed everything for me because I, you know, like I said, I got hit with all these crazy synchronicities, like really, cr like just brutal, like one after another. 
And we got and the Patriot Act. I don't remember them anymore. You know, like half of them I don't even remember. But yeah. like I spent, so I've I've no work because nobody's nobody's doing anything for like mm-hmm. a month after that. I have nothing to do, so I'm just down. I just got a brand new computer with a blazingly fast 55k modem. I was like, oh man, this is a rocket ship. You know, like 55k. Are you kidding me, man? I'm ready to go. You know, so I'm constantly on the on the uh, on the web. And this is back when Google was actually good, and mm-hmm. it's just everything. You know, it's like everything I'm doing now. Really, I I'm I swear, like everything, like this book. You know, this novel, my all my other books, the blog. It really just springs from that month after 9-11 when I was just like freaking out because I'm like the synchronicities were just so overwhelming. So were you going down the rabbit hole then? Like were you skeptical oh, of, the, of the main man. story? You were skeptical of the of the, the narrative and, and all that at that time or? I, you know, I wasn't at the time. I wasn't skeptical of the narrative at the time. And um I don't know, like maybe I was like a little, but yeah, you know, yeah, it's, yeah. It's, well, cause you did, yeah, yeah. Everybody was in shock. In, I was yeah, still in the I, matrix. I yeah. Everybody was in shock for a long time after that. And then you had like the DC sniper. You just had like all this stuff. Like DC sniper was like a couple months after that. And the anthrax letters and yeah, I went back home during that DC sniper thing and I drove from Virginia to New York. And that I it guess- turns out that those fucks knew about the anthrax too. They were fucking vaccinated against it. They still let people die. I guess well, I was in one of those um, one of those rest areas around the same time that he was there. Oh, God. Like I actually almost crossed paths with that guy. <laughs> you know, I uh, I was just recently on um, Aeon Bite with uh, Miguel Connor talking about the book and his whole theory that like um, like two nine uh, eleven and everything was. <laughs> This is an interesting theory. I don't know if I subscribe to it, but he was like, this is, that was just a way of like crushing generation X, you know, cause like generation X was kind of like, not the band, not the band with Billy. Yeah, it kind of let the air actually, out of the tires for sure. Yeah. Because you had, um, you know, generation X was kind of rising and mm-hmm. starting to like, uh, force some of the boomers out of power. And, you know, they had like a whole different way of like very independent way of thinking and doing things. The and dot com. Yeah, like the dot com bust was 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 uh, you know a few actually I mean it was kind of still going on at that time it's, it really started in the two thousands but uh, or, I'm sorry two thousand but you also had Enron yeah you know, oh man what a crazy time that was oh, yeah man. Enron so oh, when my. did you when did you start to be like really skeptical of the narrative and sort of or or are you even I I'm assuming you're kind of oh I'll tell you man I'm skeptical of all narratives yeah um, <laughs> yeah. I, I, that's where I, it goes. I, yeah. yeah. Um, I don't know. It, I don't, I don't know, man. It's, it's, it's really hard to describe because, uh, it was a slow burn, slow, slow awakening. You know, but you know, a lot of people like, they won't like kind of talk about it out loud, but like, even like a lot of quote unquote normies, you know, um, don't really uh, drink the Kool-Aid anymore. And, and mm-hmm. you know, it's just, it's kind of something that people don't really discuss anymore. Yeah. Um, but you know, I think a lot of it again, sort of emanated from that period, like that month, like the entire month of, of just September and into like the first half of October when I literally had nothing to do, but just spend all my time on the internet. And of course I had, like I said, I had this blazingly fast 55 K modem <laughs> and, uh, you know, I was just, uh, it was, uh, it was a real 
experience for me. I, you know, I, I don't think it was healthy. You know, I don't think it was healthy, um, you know, spending all that time going down rabbit holes. Uh, you know, I think you do, you always need to be skeptical and you always need to just, you know, what, what did um, George Carlin say? He's like, I, I never believe anything the government tells me. Uh, you know, I, I think that's always, uh, you know, really important to just always be incredibly skeptical of any official narrative yeah. as, as, as just a given, you yeah. know what I mean? Just like yeah. it's a given yeah. because, you know, when, you, when you're inside of it, you know, like, you know, I worked for advertising and I've, you know, worked in packaging and all that kind of stuff. You just realize that everything that um, reaches the public has all been like, Sanitized. you know, well, not, not even sanitized. It's all been like, um, you know, it's all been war gamed and it's all been like conference to death and it's all been like think tanked and it's all been like memoed. You know, there's this whole process where everything is just, um, it, you know, it, certainly everything you see in television and, and, and the mass media is, is always, um, all scripted. you know, the, the fruits of a committee, you know, it's a, it's, it's a committee always working on things and, hashing out the details and everything and uh you know and like i said you know when when you've dealt when you've sort of dealt with the system directly you, you really kind of see how the sausage is made and, and boy man that's an that's a awakening process if if, if ever you have one of you guys had any any dealings with the legal system or anything like that but boy uh that right. will open your eyes yeah, the way i sure. see it the last like hundred years all of the best psychological minds have been hijacked to work against us by advertising companies and mm -hmm. tech companies and, you know, government and everyone else, you know, to yeah. work our own fucking brains against us. Yeah. I love that. I love that, 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 that long a, when you guys say against, that's great. <laughs> so Canadian. Um, no, you're, you're absolutely right. Uh, I don't know if you guys ever watched, um, century of the self, the, uh, Oh, we yeah, we heard about that recently. We talked about it recently. Did you ever watch that, Darren? No, no. I watched this show. I tried to get you to watch, but you wouldn't watch it because had mm. subtitles. Yeah. You're grumpy. But you should definitely watch Century itself because it it really kind of shows you how a lot of this stuff came about. And and again, like this niche marketing and and uh, the me generation and all this kind of stuff. You know, where you start atomizing people into consumer groups. Uh, you know, in that process that you said, you know, where um public relations i mean just just the whole idea of public relations didn't exist 200 years ago it was really um a, uh, something that was devised in the um in the early 20th century and it was it was actually devised i mean i don't know if you guys are familiar with william s burroughs the uh, the old beat poet but his um he came from the burroughs i i don't know it was like adding machines it was some some sort of fortune that was based in some sort of office equipment, but uh, he also had another relative, I don't know if it was an uncle or whatever, who basically created um, public relations, created the first public relations firm, you know, which was explicitly uh, meant to, you know, control narratives. Yeah. And, yeah. Uh, you know, there are so many of them now. I mean, uh, it's just, it's, it's, it's unbelievable. It's just, uh, people just, they don't understand like how, how, um, you know, the infrastructure is just absolutely gargantuan, you know? Yeah. Hey, That's, before, before we, uh, before we end up wrapping this up, did, ABBA, Mike, did you want to talk about ABBA? ABBA? Like, do you want to oh, go into yeah, that? Yeah. We should. I mean, we, it's interesting. If, I think if she you can, can listen. He's talked about it on other podcasts too. So 
Not, not, uh, you know, I, I'm not sure exactly what you're referring to. No. <laughs> Didn't you go off on the cockatoo twins? Cocteau. Oh, Cocteau. Cocteau. Yeah. Cocteau uh, who, yeah. Who are, who are ABBA on acid. Um, <laughs> sort of. Yeah. yeah. And I thought I yeah. remembered listening to you when you were on Carlwood's uh, show about talking about some about ABBA about that too. Well, yeah, I, I think I, that reference that you, you're um, referring to. I could to, have uh, it all wrong. No, well, no, I, I think I had sort of uh, made a comparison about certain Cocteau Twins songs that were, um, you know, very similar to, to ABBA songs. Um, you know, uh, I loved ABBA. I'm, I'm a 70s kid, you know, I'm old, I'm old and crotchety. And I still remember being on the beach in Gloucester, Massachusetts when... Um, the first time that Waterloo was played in America, mm. uh, that's that's a very indelible experience for me because I love that song. But I associated it with like being, I guess I was seven or eight at the time and being on the beach and life just seemed sweet and the world was your oyster and, and all the good things were ahead of you. And uh, I loved the, the sound of their voices. And uh, I was in love when I was a kid with the, the blonde one. Agnetha, I think, was it Agnetha? Because she was always, she always looked so sad. And she was on the sad stuff. You, you'd see those videos, and like her forehead was just like all crinkled up with a frown. <laughs> it's just like uh, when you're a kid, that 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 really uh, you know appeals to you. Plus, I I was in love with um, with Cheryl Ladd, who was uh, the the yeah. Charlie's Angel, who replaced. Uh, uh, Farrah Fawcett, <laughs> so oh, and yeah. she kind of looked like that, you know. Yeah. But oh, Abba were great in the seventies, man. It was just like one song after another. It's just um, incredible. Well, the music it's... is so catchy and poppy, <clears throat> and then the lyrics oh, yeah. are so dark and sad. Well, wasn't there something dark. about the one of them, the guys being intelligence assets or something like that? Is that what you're thinking, or? I don't know. No, I should have gone I, back and listened to it before I wasted time. I, when I heard that Carlwood episode with you guys talking about the Cocktail Twins and the Siren and all, yeah. that hit me pretty hard because in did. the 90s, like in 94, I fell in love with this Cocktail Twin song and I just fucking loved it. And I was like, who are these Cocktail Twins? I was the only one that knew yeah. these guys and I fell in love with the song. I and I went back it. and went back and tried to find the song and I cannot find it anywhere. I've listened to all of them trying to find that song and I, ca I can't find it. They all sound the, sort of the same, or I, I yeah. can't figure out which one it is. Yeah. Well, you know, that might be the um, Mandela effect. You know, you're probably like, uh, and this is going to sound facetious, but it's not. Um, you're probably like phasing in and out of that, that different reality matrix that um, the Mandela effect people uh, talk about. I mean, this is something that I, I've <laughs> it been talking like about. A, listen, you know, I mean, it sounds ridiculous, but... Um, I was just talking to a friend of mine today about this, you know, just like how just weird and, and, um, fungible reality seems to be that things are just not the way they used to be, you know, particularly if you're a little long in the tooth, like we all are, you know, it's like, you remember before, um, all this internet and all this other crap was, uh, was so prominent, but I don't know, man, I can't really describe it. I just, I, you know, especially when you get into synchronicity, like, I think that synchronicity is not just like this little kind of goofy thing. I think it's, um, I think it's a language. I, I do. I think it's a language and I think it's a language that's, that's beyond language. It's yep. like, it's, it's a recognition it's a of future emotion, but it's, it's hmm. more than that though, because it's like, um, okay, here's another thing. So uh, there's a, 
I, I won't mention his name, but I was talking to this guy who, who wrote a book on, on precognition, and he's actually a scientist, and he's a science writer. And we sort of had this um, you know, debate going on about synchronicity, and, and his, his whole vibe, and this is something that I've heard from other people involved in this, is that synchronicity, it's all pre, it's, it's precognition. You know, you're sensing things that are you know, your future in the, in, in, in the time stream, something that's going to happen to you. And, and he has like all these formulas written out. It's really impressive what he's done with this. But, you know, the thing I was trying to uh, impart to him, and I don't know if I was successful, is that synchronicity isn't just like, oh, I, I thought of that ABBA song and, and, and then all of a sudden it came on the radio. But it, it wasn't just like it's on the radio, but it's like, then I got into a car accident, you know, it's like, so, you know, it was significant. It wasn't just a coincidence, it's a significant coincidence, but it's, I, I think the synchronicity is, is, is it, it transcends that. And like I said, this whole period after nine 11, when I got hit by these sinks that were just mind boggling, I'm like, I still don't know why I wasn't in the city that day. It's just, it's so freaky. Like I should have been like in world trades, like literally in that, that train station when, you know, that it was all going down and I wasn't, I don't know why, but uh, like all that synchronicity, it just hit me. And you realize it isn't just about you. It's like, it's beyond you, you know? And, and a lot of the synchronicities that you will experience are not, you know, they're not something that you can just chalk up to precognition. No, they're not. They're complex. There's many layers. There's, it goes over time. I mean, there's something I wanted to ask you about because we've had other guests on too, where we talk about the, it's not just synchronicity, but the coincidence of numbers and dates and, and symbols and going through, through time. And it seems to all have a, a deep state or a cultural kind of significance to it. And I was wondering if you thought that that was like a higher, power at play or is there some work going on intentional work going on from the the powers that be that are creating these these things like an event an event happens on a day where it's impossible that it's just that day there's so many intertwined things like is that is it both is it like something greater at work or is it is it intention from Dude, it's all of the above. Yeah. And yeah. what you're referring to, I mean, you're really getting down to what the essence of magic is. And, you know, people who are really involved in, and, you know, even like uh, Crowley kind of, you know, real heavy, deep occult, dark occult, black magic, you know, really what it's, you know, they're boiling down to is that they're just, they're basically trying to manipulate synchronicity. They're trying yeah. to manipulate, um, you Reality. know, the, yeah, a rea like an event occurs, but it's wed to this really potent symbol system. So what you're talking about, um, you know, with you know some sort of uh, some sort of deep state or some sort of cabal or you know wh whomever manipulating this stuff. Yeah, I mean, this stuff has been going on for for hundreds, thousands of years. I mean, why do you think holidays are about? You know, like why why do we just pick some day in the middle of the year and just inject all this like super heavy <laughs> symbolism into it that has nothing to do with anything you know like why do we do this like names and you know even just like the whole idea of names like names were a form of magic you know you were trying to control something by by giving it you know a label and and this is something that you know magic has always been about is like understanding like you know if you knew the demons names and you knew their secret names and you knew like all this other bullshit, you could control them somehow. You know, I think that's all insanity and, and, and always backfires, but you know, either way, you know, 
This is what grimoires were about. This is why people wrote grimoires in the in the Middle Ages, you know, because they thought if they could uh, figure out the names of the princes of hell and their titles and the you know what they like to have for breakfast and all this kind of bullshit, that they could somehow like summon them, summon them, and then enslave them and have them do their will and all this kind of stuff. And it's just like. Yeah, that always ended badly. <laughs> you know, that never, that never worked out for anybody. But um, still, it's it's really about you know synchronicity. Because so here's the thing, I have this kind of saying. So it's like, you know, coincidences are one thing. You know, some highly symbolic coincidences are another thing, right? But then there's like symbolically supercharged, significant coincidence, and that's just like a whole other level. That's yeah. when like. You know, all the toys come out of the toy box and everything's injected into this whole event in this day or this, you know, <clears throat> whatever you choose to mention. And this is why we're seeing all the symbolism constantly that, you know, stuff that only like weirdos like me knew about 20 years ago. I, you know why it's just everywhere you look now, because everybody is trying to like manipulate this stuff. Everybody's trying to make it work for them. And I'll tell you two things. First of all, you know, I believe very strongly in the spirit world. I believe in the, in the spirits and the spiritual world. Mm -hmm. And it's something that is a, is a daily reality for me. And if you believe in the spirit world, you believe that they're like spirits that aren't like really on your side and don't really give a shit about you. You know what I'm saying? So like say, oh, I'm going to hex Trump, you know, and I'm going to call on a Zazzle and Belial and you know, Asmodeus and everything like that. Like, why do they give a shit about you? What do you, what do you, what do you have to offer them? You don't have anything. You know what I mean? So they might say, Oh, we're going to do this for you because they're all liars. And then they're going to like destroy your life. I mean, how many times has that happened? I mean, okay. So Led Zeppelin, right? Jimmy page, you know, top, top occultist, you know, uh, um, tight with Kenneth anger for a while. Uh, you know, Crowley Library and everything. I mean, look what happened to Led Zeppelin. I mean, Jesus Christ, everything just completely just went totally haywire for them. Like 1977, like Robert Planson died, you know, a couple of years before they get into a car accident. Um, you know, they, they, they have this tour and all this crazy stuff happens. And then, you know, a couple of years later, John Bonham dies. And then Jimmy Page is just sort of like trapped in this heroin hell for years. Like everything just fell apart for them. Because that's what happens when you you know you call on unclean spirits. You know, I hate to break the news to anybody who thinks they're going to get that stuff to work for them, but they're not. You know, I mean, you might think they will, and you might sort of things might work out for you for a while. But I tell you, I've studied the history of of magicians and black magicians and all these kind of people. It always goes wrong, man. It always goes bad. So it's like you gotta you gotta stay on the straight and narrow path if you're gonna stop messing around the stuff. Believe me. And the problem is, is that nobody's telling all these dumb kids out there that that, that that's the way it works. And I, I just think we're we're really in for a train wreck. That's I, I really fantastic. Do. I agree I really too. Do. I think that's why it's it's synchronicity seem to be increasing, and it's it's like it's like an egregore of people playing with magic. And like when you go to, I have kids, young kids now, and you go to look at all the different books that are out there for kids now, it's all about magic, like everything. Well, yeah. I mean, Harry started start Not with even Harry, Harry Potter, Potter, like all the kids books, they're all about magic now. It's hard to find a book for, for like a six <clears throat> to 10 year old kid that's not just completely soaked in magic. Which is yeah. interesting because there is something about, you know, like- gaining what you wish for and, and manifesting, you know, your life. I mean, controlling reality to a certain point. 
I remember I had a really hard time because I, I would precog things and I was upset about the fact like, you know, like I saw our dog get hit by a car like before it happened. And I was really upset about it because I didn't know. I, it's really confusing. Did I cause it? Or did no? I cause it? You know? <clears throat> and that really freaks you out, I think, as a kid. You begin to wonder, like, am I causing these things because my emotions get out of control? Or is it just coincidence? Or am I kind of like you were saying, the emotion is so strong that you actually pick up on it before it happens? Mm-hmm. Well, I think that. Can I just weigh in with one other thing? I know I'm uh, it's probably guarding a lot of your time. No, 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 no. Yeah, it's your show. Uh, so, uh, you know, you're talking about like the, the whole thing with kids and the magic and all this kind of stuff. Um, you guys are Canadian. Are you guys uh, Dan Aykroyd fans at all? Oh, yeah. Of course. Yeah. Okay, so Dan Aykroyd used to be on Saturday Night Live. And, and, and again, I'm old enough. Like, I remember when I was like 10 years old, like uh, forcing myself to wait up so I could watch Saturday Night Live because I just thought it was like yeah, the greatest totally. thing. So. Dan Aykroyd did this skit. He <laughs> uh, was like um, this cheesy uh, toy uh, toy manufacturer called Irvin Mainway, and uh, it was like uh, it was. A pre- <laughs> I'm sorry, man. I'm just laughing because I just remember how funny this shit was. So he's like this sleazy toy manufacturer. It was like Pretty Peggy ear piercing set, uh, Mr. Skin Grafter. Uh, General Tron secret police confession kit and doggy dentist. And then like one of the toys is like bag of glass. <laughs> oh, man, I'm just laughing. It was like, you know, like he's being on, interviewed on a TV show. And it's like, this is just a bag of broken glass. <laughs> but to me, that's like, that's the exact same thing. Like when you're talking about, like when you're giving these kids this, this, this whole, all this magic stuff. I mean, believe me, I mean, I was a kid in the seventies when a lot of this kind of stuff was, you know, in the comic books and everything, and, and you know, especially the comic books that I was reading, and and I just, I just sort of like, I didn't take it seriously because this is the seventies, and you, it's just kind of like entertainment. But now you have this whole mindset where kids are going to go online, and it's like they're, they're taking this stuff more seriously, and that they're, they're screwing around with this stuff, mm-hmm. and it's like, there's a great line, um, this guy named Ed Foreman who is uh, close friends with um, Jack Parsons. You know, he, was a, he worked for Jack Parsons, and he was a rocket designer. And he had some of Jack Parsons' books in his library. So he's sitting there in his library just chilling out, maybe having a, a scotch and a smoke. And his daughter comes in and starts looking at the, you know, Jack Parsons' books. And, and, and Ed Foreman says to her, it's like, you know, stay away. That stuff, it's all real, and it all works. And it'll, it'll mess up your life forever. You know, stay the hell away from it. And, uh you know, I think with a lot of this stuff, I mean, nobody's telling people that, you know, you know, all these uh, hipsters who think they can, um, you know, mess with these, uh, these grimoires and call up these demons and all this kind of stuff. And, and you think, oh, oh nothing really happened, you know, oh, it's just, I did this and it was just kind of art. It's like an art project. But then like, you know, then it happens, you know, oh, then, I mean, you know, I mean. Then, then the shit happens and you realize, and then your life is fucked. You know what I'm saying? It's just like these these energies that you're calling up, the spirits that you're calling up, man, like, you know, oh, hey, man, I just read this book. No harm done. And then like, oh, oh, you know, I just lost my job and I just got in a car accident and it turns out I have this tumor on my leg and and, you know, one thing after another. And, and it's just like nobody sort of makes that connection. And, and I'll tell you something. People who are really good at this stuff, you know, throughout history, uh, 
thought they could mess with this stuff and it destroyed their lives. People who are a lot smarter than any of us and certainly a lot smarter than these dopey kids that think they can uh, call up demons. You know? Yeah, for sure. What about just safely per- protection, like, you know, using protection magic, stuff like that without the actual summoning part? I mean, is there, is there a big difference between, you know, the types and the, you know, the intention and, and that kind of stuff? Uh, yeah, I, I think there is. And, uh, but, you know, I'll tell you, I don't, I don't mess with any of that stuff either. Uh, you know, I, my whole, my whole thing is just like getting out there and just sort of, you know, vibing on nature spirits and, and ancestral spirits and all this kind of stuff. And, uh, you know, not necessarily asking them to, um, balance my checkbook or whatever, you know, uh, you know, the thing, the thing that you got to just be really super careful of. And, and again, you know, like a skeptic is just going to laugh at you and, and somebody who's just sort of a dabbler is just going to say, oh, hey, man, you know, it's it's cool. I know what I'm doing, whatever. Um, you know, okay, so if I come up to you, right, and I go, hey, man, I need 20 bucks. Can you lend me 20 bucks? And you're like, oh, yeah, yeah, here you go. Here's 20 bucks, right? And then you're going to be like, that dude owes me 20 bucks. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? <laughs> that dude owes me 20 bucks. So it's like, you know, I might forget about it, but, you know, in your mind, you're going to be like, oh, that, that dude owes me something. You know what I mean? And, and if I ask you for 20 bucks again, and I keep asking you for 20 bucks, you know, you're going to either stop giving it to me or, or like say, okay, well, guess what, man? You know, I want you to like, um, you know, clean up my truck, you know, uh, you, you, you gotta, you gotta earn this money. So if, if you can just mess around with the spirit world, you know, again, which is very real to me, um, you know, what the hell are you doing for them? You know what I'm saying? If you're, you're calling on the spirit to, to do something for you, what do you have to offer them in exchange? Yep. And you know, anybody who's experiencing this stuff will, will tell you that, you know, the spirit world is like, you know, they're great accountants. You know what I'm saying? You know, like they keep, they keep track of this shit. So uh, I think the trick is when you give them terrible. 20 bucks, you don't expect to ever see it again. Like here, yeah, I'll give you 20 bucks, but you know, make sure you use it for something or ask them what you're going to use it for and buy them that instead. I got, I got it. But don't expect the 20 bucks back. Yeah. I got, I got to read something here. I just got an email. It must be somebody that's listening in. I got to read this, Chris. It, I was just, hi Graham. I just recently was on a quest to find a specific cocktail twin song. I listened to all I had, went online and listened. I recently bought the Apple home pad on Black Friday weekend. It came with four months of Apple Music for free. I went through that too, no luck. Then a memory popped in. It was not a Cocteau Twins song at all. LOL. It was a band on the same 4AD label, This Mortal Coil. Liz Fraser was the singer from Cocteau Twins. The song is Song to the Siren, a Tim, yep. a Tim Buckley cover. Liz sings over a sparse musical backdrop, beautiful as I remember. Took roughly three to four months off and on. I really wish you can find your song. I'd be happy to help in any way. You got a <laughs> well, song, you, buddy. Fucking weird. Well, eh? <laughs> when we get off the air, you just you know maybe describe it to me. Uh, you know, don't forget there are a lot of bands at that time who are imitating them. You know, there's bands like the Sundays and the Sugar Cubes, and a lot of people were sort of doing that kind of vibe. So maybe it wasn't even them. It, maybe it was like one of the bands that were kind of you know doing that whole that whole kind of uh, uh, flavor. But that's, you know, I mean, that whole thing with the siren, I mean, that's just a... I, yeah, that's crazy. I, I, listened to you, I listened to your show on that like three or four times. It was just so mind-blowing. Yeah. Well, that's, that's, that's a rabbit hole that like, has no bottom. I mean, there's just there's yeah. no bottom to that. And <laughs> yeah. uh, 
you know, like I said, I mean, you know, uh, you know, you talk about Lovecraft and the old ones and uh, people go, oh, that's a science fiction. Well, listen, you know, you're in Canada. Um, I don't know how, how it is up there. I know you get the Tim Hortons up there. But, you know, if you're down in America, anytime you go, uh, go to any downtown shopping district or whatever, you know, you're going to see that that big friggin' siren you know, yep. sitting in front of a Starbucks. And you go to any supermarket or grocery store or convenience store and you go to the, you know, the beverage aisle, you're going to see that siren everywhere you look. And that's how this stuff works. And people don't understand it. You know, it's like <clears throat> people, um, you know, like Harry Potter and everything. Uh, gives people a very distorted sense of magic and 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 the occult and you know that it's sort of like um you know you're just dealing with genies you know and that's that's not the way it works it's it's um it's kind of like turning a ship you know what i'm saying like you could be on a ship and it's it's making a 180 degree turn and you don't even you don't even realize that anything's happened it just seems like you're just sort of sailing right along um because these kind of things, you know, they take time and they work on a much different, uh, they have a much different understanding of time than, than, than we do. Uh, you know, if you're talking about a spirit that, that, you know, isn't worried about dying in when they're 70, right. I mean, they're going to have like a whole different kind of take on, on time. So they, they've got their own schedules. And, and like I said, I mean, it's like, you know, people are going to do what they want. I mean, I'm nobody, nobody's going to listen to me, but I'm just saying, like, if you're going to mess around with magic or any of that kind of stuff, you know, make sure that, um, you know, uh, who you're dealing with, you know, if you, if you're calling somebody or if you're opening a door, you better know who the hell's on the other side of it. Right. Yeah, uh, and yeah. that's, that's basically my, my whole trip. Well, and you may never know. That's the problem with opening these doors is, you know, well, uh, you know, I have this, uh, I was, again, I was talking to Gordon today and, um, uh, yes, two days ago was the, uh, the anniversary of, um, uh, a really horrific uh, event in my family's life. Um, a, a young girl who had, had killed herself and uh, it was just like really shattering and, and it still is in a lot of ways. But um, you know, in the aftermath of that um, we, we, we had um, and it wasn't just us. It was a lot of people um, had uh, legitimate paranormal experiences that the things were happening that were very strange. Um, you know, we had all this stuff going on with our electricity and our phones. I mean, just weird stuff. Uh, you know, my wife's phone had called this girl's mother in the middle of the night, um, by itself. I mean, just all this crazy stuff that was going on. And, uh, you know, it was, it was, it was really unpleasant and it was, it was actually kind of horrible. And I, I, I said to I said to Gordon tonight, I was like, I hate the paranormal. <laughs> I hate the paranormal because the paranormal is always about death. You know, it's always centered on death. And and people think the paranormal isn't real and all this kind of stuff. It is real. And it usually happens when something really bad is happening, like when somebody's dying or is about to die. Uh, you know, so people are messing around with, with like ghost hunting and everything like that. It's like, I'm not going to try to discourage anybody from doing what they want to do, but you know, stop pretending that it's not real and you, and it's a game that you can play and just realize that, you know, UFOs, the, you know, ghosts, all this kind of stuff that everybody just thinks is, is a joke. It's not a joke. And, and it usually manifests when something bad is about to happen you know, or, or something bad did happen. You yeah. know what I mean? Yeah. And I don't want to sound like I'm the, this, this huge wet blanket, but it's just like, you get to be my age and you sort of get a little bit of, um, you know, mileage under your belt 
and you just start to see things in, in a different perspective. I mean, look at John Keel. I mean, I don't know if you guys have read any of his stuff. Yeah, man. Yeah. Read one of his, I read one of his essays so on our inner feed. Yeah. He was that, that dude was just like, <clears throat> don't even, you know, put my damn, you know, thanks for buying my book. Now put it down and forget anything you ever read. You know, it's like, that's how, it, that's how in radical he was getting because something happened to that dude. Something happened to that dude. Like, uh, you know, I've talked to some people who sort of were on his, you know, the fringes of his orbit and uh, something bad happened to that dude in, in the seventies, I think in the seventies, something that just like really freaked him out and uh, really changed his whole, his whole viewpoint and got him like super paranoid and super obsessed with like demonology and stuff. So, uh, you know, like I said, I'm, I'm not going <clears> to, <throat> nobody's going to listen to me in the first place, but you know, when you, when you're talking about a lot of this stuff, um, you just got to be super careful, you know? Um, uh, here's a, here's a great case in point. Um, so my son and his friends had a, um, they were working at this big golf course, big golf course in the middle of this unbelievably rich neighborhood. And, uh, they were closing up and it was getting dark and these three UFOs just appear like over the golf course and they're just sitting there. And all, you know, my, my son took some footage of it but he had a crappy phone so it, you know it looks kind of crappy and you know they're all just sitting there watching it and you know he was really interested in it and then like a week later he was just like he didn't even want to talk about it he was just like just no you know i don't know what happened i don't even know if anything happened or it just sort of sunk in because like when you see that man i mean we had a, a ufo sitting over my neighborhood and i blogged about this in uh in february of 2017 is this and the one like, you saw in 2015? No, that was a different one. Okay, this is okay. the one uh, that I blogged about, and and it's actually <laughs> here. I am a big hypocrite because if you if you look at the masthead <laughs> of my blog, it, there's an image of it. So my, you know, I was I was, I was out there like looking at this thing. Talk about synchronicity. I just watched the movie, um, the man who, uh, what the hell is the name of that movie? The man, the the stare goats. No, no, no. It was like um, it was about that dude. He was in that band in the 80s. And he lives down in, uh, I think in like Monterey and he sees UFOs all the time. I think a lot of it's like military stuff that he's seeing, but there was a Netflix uh, documentary about this dude. And, um, I just watched it like, so, so just talk about what you're going to see. So I just watched this, this, um, documentary about this dude who's like, he's got thousands and thousands of hours <coughs> of UFOs and most of them are orbs, right? So I go out and I'm taking the dogs out and it's after midnight and I see this like plane come up and I'm like, wow, that's a big ass plane. And then it just stops. And I'm like, wow, that's a big ass plane that stopped in the middle of the sky. And then I look at it again. I'm like, that's not a plane. That's a Chevron. It's like that classic Chevron UFO. And, it, and actually the thing that I saw, I, I, uh, a few months later, some people like in, uh, Colorado and Texas and a bunch of other places, like in that Southwestern area had uh, taken footage of this thing, you know, these things as well. So, you know, you're sitting there looking at it and you're like, oh, wow, that's cool. Oh man. Like my, my first like real heavy duty UFO, like right there, man, like there it is. I'm taking, you know, my wife's trying to take pictures of it and stuff. And, you know, we're taking photographs of it and, and, uh, and all this kind of stuff. And then like, you're like, what the hell is that damn thing? And why is it sitting over my neighborhood? You know, like that, that, that kind of just like sinks in, you know what I mean? Like, oh, like that's, that's not normal. And why is it here? You yeah, know? yeah. Like, what does it want? You know, you're like, you know, and, and I'm not too far from an air base of McGuire air, 
Air Force Base is about, I don't know, maybe 45 minutes from air, by air from here. So you're thinking, oh, is that like, um, is that like some sort of drone or is that some sort of experimental aircraft? But it's like, I don't know, man, I'm looking at this thing and those, those lights are friggin' huge. And like, they don't, that doesn't look very aerodynamic to me. And like, what the hell is that thing doing? And like, why is it so damn bright? I mean, it's really, really bright. And, uh, and actually somebody had said that they thought like what, what I thought were lights were like some sort of plasma units. You know what I mean? Like they were like some sort of like a uh, propulsion system, like plasma. And that's why it was lighted up. But, um, yeah, I'm just like sitting there going, wow, that's, that's really intense. And like, um, and then like things like went really wrong after that. You know what I'm saying? Like think like a lot of like not good stuff happened after that experience. And I'm just thinking, is that just coincidental? Is there some sort of connection? But you know, you, you hear a lot about this stuff and, uh, you know, I wasn't asking for it, but it was this crazy synchronicity that I just watched this movie about UFOs, this documentary about UFOs. And then there's like, there's one sitting over my, uh, neighborhood for, 20 minutes and we we even just got sick of looking at it and we're like okay you know whatever there it is and we went in the house but uh yeah man it's just like i hate the paranormal <laughs> i really do I, I i know that sounds like a terrible thing to say but like people out there looking for bigfoot and all this kind of stuff man it's like you know lauren coleman i don't know if you know his his stuff but, yeah you know, he's yeah. talked about like how like mothman and bigfoot and all this stuff like there's curses attached to him people go out looking for this stuff end up dying I'm just like, yeah, this stuff's really interesting. Stay the hell away. Uh, watch it from a safe distance. That's like, if, if you take anything away from my whole ranting and raving tonight, it's like, yeah, paranormal, whatever, ghosts, Bigfoot, I don't know, whatever. Just maintain a safe distance from all the stuff. Don't go out in a field and call them. The like, yo, the my God. Yeah, I mean, that's oh. what I, it's, it's so interesting because that's. That's what we've been doing, you know, and we're, but, but my attitude's starting to change about UFOs. You know? Is it? I mean, oh yeah. Yeah. I, I just, you can ask Darren. It's like, well, we had, we had this guy on and I don't know, just gave me a different perspective of, you know, a disclosure in the whole UFO thing and whether ETs are visiting or not. And I mean, we, we go out and we see shit in the sky, right? We flash yeah, for sure. flashing lights and flash bulbs and low flying aircraft. And it's like, well, why, then why are they allowing the the secrecy to, to still there like it's it, there's some conundrums there to me with, a big thing that's missing <clears throat> is subtle energy and there's a subtle energy that is connects everything and we're just too gross to feel it and to be and acknowledge it and so then a lot of the things that i think chris is calling paranormal are more like energy spikes and so then you begin to become aware of that energy that subtle energy because it's so loud let's call it but you well, don't want to talks about that you know the super spectrum i know exactly you know like, but you don't want to shy away from the subtle energy because there's a lot of stuff there that we should be working on no i agree with that but what i'm saying is like again like maintain a safe distance yeah for like, sure i totally agree with that yeah. and i say this I, I say this to people not to be like a wet blanket and a buzzkill i say this because you know i care about human beings and i want mm -hmm. people to be safe and I, you know, I totally agree with what you're saying. You know, I mean, listen, it's stuff that I've been talking about and writing about for a long time. Yep. At the same point in time, it's just like, I don't know if something's changed. You know, like, you know, there's, there are theories that we all died in 2012 and we're placed on some sort of yep. uh, on a memory sticks now or, you know, dark city kind of world. I mean, I don't know, but, um, 
I, I, I feel to me like things are very different now. And, uh, you know, when everybody's focused on things, you know, you talk about the power of intention and the power of focus, um, you know, that, that heightens these energies and, uh, amplifies these energies. And, um, you know, energies are great, you know, uh, you can, power your car with them, but they can also explode in your face, you know? So I just, I really, really feel, um, I mean, and you, you'd have to talk to people a lot smarter than me about how, how to protect yourself when you're, when you're getting into this stuff. But I, I just, I just really feel it's important to, to watch, you know, watch it back. You know, I really feel that the Wi-Fi now has created like an energy web of a grid that really makes it to where you can't feel the subtle energy as much because I was, I started meditating in 2001. I really think about 2001. I go back every day. So many crazy things have happened to change my life in the year of 2001, starting right at the very beginning of the year and, uh, learning to meditate in a, in a, um, more functional way, you know, actually learning techniques and being able to focus it. And, since, I don't know, kind of maybe 2012, but I would say closer to 2015, it seems as though it's harder to focus your mind now in a lot of ways, mostly oh, because yeah. mostly because I think it's the EM is all around us, the Wi-Fi. It's making it, to where, smart, you, yeah. it's making it to where you can't even like ground and center yourself anymore. There's this always electronic hum going on in the background. Absolutely. And, and uh, where I am... I, I didn't even realize this until a year after it started, but they've been doing the five G stuff here too. So yeah, yep. uh, yeah, no, um, I think that's a huge, a huge factor. But um, I mean, who knows what's really behind all that? You know, um, do we really need Wi Fi? You know, I mean, is it really <laughs> necessary? I mean, I don't know. You know, I was getting along fine plugging shit into the wall. You know, totally. so I don't know, man. Is it, do we really need it, or is it? Is it there is some sort of like, uh, you know, plan going on. I don't know, but, uh, I just, you know, I, like I said, I really feel that everything is just so amped up and so uh, accelerated and, and amplified that I just, I really feel that, um, I need to impart to anybody who will be stupid enough to listen to me that you got to just be like, just much more careful than you've ever been. You know, I really feel that way because there are just so many, um, you know, people kind of overloading the circuits now that, uh, it's just, I, I feel like it's really dangerous. And, you know, like I said, I mean, this is not some sort of, um, abstract thing that I'm saying, look at how many people just really seem either clinically insane or demonically possessed nowadays. You know what I'm saying? If you really stop to look at it, you're like, Oh, shit yeah that's that's the way things are going like everybody seems like they're either insane or possessed not everybody of course but so you know much more people than ever before are just losing it and uh i don't think that's um i don't think that's an accident to history you know i think it's because of all these processes that we've been discussing tonight i think it's a direct i as a matter of fact i mean i think it's a direct result of all these processes that we've been discussing tonight I totally there you have yeah, it. Yeah. Well, every civilization has collapsed since the start of, you know, I heard somebody say well, that. Well, all of them up till now. Well, and now, it's glo and now it's global. <laughs> and now it's, you know, the first time we've been really global. So it'll, it's interesting time. to see. That's a pretty arrogant assumption. Yeah. So everybody buy my new novel. Yeah. <laughs> 
for sure. I'm yeah, and you. check out your check out your blog, and yeah, keep in touch with what's what's going on with you. I mean, can't wait to yeah. see you part live up two. To the sky. Yeah, uh, well, yeah. It's funny because I mean, a lot of this stuff, um, you know, a lot of stuff in the novel is based on actual experiences, and a lot of it is this kind of process where all this crazy paranormal stuff was happening in my own life and uh uh i'm not exactly sure that i i came out on the other side uh completely intact so um <laughs> i i wish i could say otherwise but uh you know i think i think it it um if nothing else um made a great read oh yeah it's a great book 17 dollars paperback on, it's, on amazon yeah it's, it's a great book i do i recommend it highly to people we'll put a link in the show notes. and i can't wait for it well let us know when it comes out on audio and we'll just plug it again oh i appreciate yeah. it man. yeah it's gonna yeah. it's gonna take a while I'm, I'm working with a producer uh who's really keen and, and really loves the book so uh awesome yeah. You're going to have like different characters and stuff like that, or is it going to be, uh, I don't know. Or how, how, yeah, it's hard. Cause know, yeah. Yeah. it's, uh, it's still, it's a little too early in the process, but I'll tell you something. I, I was a big audiobook for guy for a long time. Yeah. And the favorite readers that I, I had were always like very deadpan and very yep. understated. Yep. I mean, somebody goes, Oh, you could listen to these Harry Potter books. This guy does like, he's got the Guinness book world records for like most different accents in an, an audiobook which is kind of a weird Guinness Book of World Record, but um, I listened to it. I don't think I got like, this is back in the tape days. I don't think I got like through one side of one tape because I'm just like, I want to strangle this guy. Yeah, yeah. I literally want to strangle this guy. It's too over the top. It's distracting, you know? I I wanted to get lost in the story, you know? I want to get lost. I don't want to hear about like how many different dialects of, of, of cockney this guy can do i i just want to get lost in the story i don't care about how you know what a great thespian he is you know i just yeah. want to lose myself and, and, and i find that you lose yourself in a story best when you're not being distracted yeah. by all the yeah. wrestle dazzle yeah my favorite narrators like stefan rudnicki who just does he has like five or six like he's got a couple guy voices a couple female voices and they're not even real voices he just changes it slightly so you know that it, who's talking you know, and it's just simple like that. It's beautiful. Yeah, the intonation. Yeah, changes it's just, the intonation. Yeah, yeah, just a little bit of that, so you know that it's you know who who's saying what, and it's not you know you're not he's not going into full blown full blown character, but he's a great narrator. I'll I'll take a look for that. Yeah. Um, send send me shoot me an email yeah. with the guy's name. I will. Yeah, love it. He does a lot of fiction. All right, too. Thanks oh, a lot, awesome. man. Thanks a lot I, for coming on. Greatly, greatly enjoyed it. And uh, you, you, you bastards better have me on again. Oh, for sure. Yeah, I can't wait. You should come and, to Utah. Uh, yeah. You wex, you wex it, bastards. Uh, Utah? Yeah. Um, Star, Myths, Star Myths with David Matheson. We got like two two nights or three nights in the desert looking at the stars. Oh, that sounds like it's right in my uh, yeah. ballywick. <laughs> I was uh, really into the stars, and I thought I'd knew a lot about it. And I went out to Utah and I was blown away. Like you think there's a million stars. There's actually a billion more. And then two seconds later, there's a trillion more. Like the more you let your eyes adjust to the darkness, there literally is infinite stars out there. And you have no idea until you go out to a desert like Utah. Well, uh, that sounds, that sounds like my idea of fun for real. So <laughs> Uh, wait, when are you guys doing this again? April. April 16th to 19th. Oh, cool. I'll start saving my pennies now, dudes. All right. Uh, 
can we can all chill. That there sounds like an awesome time. Right on. Shoot us an right, email. Gents. Okay, thanks a lot. Yeah, take care. Oh, Have my a good pleasure. Night. My pleasure. My pleasure. Okay. Wonderful good night, Jen. Yeah. Take good care. Night. Bye-bye. Well, thanks for going long, Darren. That was fun. I wanted to keep it going because it got yeah. like yeah, like great. the first half. You know, we were kind of just shooting the shit about cultural stuff, but second half we're getting into the nitty gritty of some stuff and the, mm-hmm. the cult and the magic. I mean, it's just fantastic. I love talking to guys that just know so much like that. It's unbelievable. Big thanks to Chris for coming on the show. Come back anytime. Check out his blog, Secret Sun Blog, the Secret Sun Blog, Blogspot. I think Blogspot. Dot the secret sun blog.com. Yeah. I think it's secret sun blog will just Dot, bring it up. Whatever. Yeah. If you just, I just Googled the secret sun blog and it yeah. came right up. Link in the show notes. Yeah. For the like 3% of people that check the show notes. Swipe it's a lot right. of people. That it's is more people than donate. That is way so more. Put people. it in perspective like for you. Times. Three times the donations. I would prefer you donated. <laughs> if it's between donating or checking out the show notes. Go ahead. Or how about the three percent of people that go to the show notes just go a little bit further down and donate and support the show? Yeah. There you have it. Yeah. America.ca slash support. Uh, we could use a little support because we love you. Christmas coming. A little Christmas bonus for the Grand America guys. America.ca slash support. Of course, this won't come out until after Christmas. It's a, what's this like Chinese Christmas or something? <laughs> sure. Is that New Year's? I don't think the Chinese do Christmas. They're communist. Oh my god. Everyone just gets the same present. Pretty much. <laughs> All right. Uh, All right, guys. Thanks for listening, and we will see you next week. It's a happier place to be. Maple syrup is the best. It's so good. Just be present with me and love me. Wow. 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 When they start doing this weird <laughs> Hey Grimericans, that's the way you do it. Listen to Grimerica on the World Wide Web. Hey Grimericans, that's the way you do it. Donate to Grimerica on the World Wide Web. Hey Grimericans, that's the way you do it. Money for something good, vibes for free. Because without support, it all comes to a grinding halt. So keep lubing the system with your support dollars. Go America.ca slash support. Touch it and feel it. Let, let meditate with it on mushrooms. Like do a whole spiritual thing with it. See what happens. You could uh, smudge it. Oh, it smells. You can't. It smells. It's a f- no. Your energy body's always with you. It's, it's, it's around me. It's my aura that's around me now. It's interloping and overlapping with your aura. Keep your fucking energy beings off of it. All right? You're making it weird. Okay, whatever. Just be present with me and love me. Just keep your energy body off my energy body and we'll be fine. There's no overlapping. Interloping. There's no interloping. I might have used the wrong word there. in the studio yep long day be nice to Graham he's sensitive <laughs> that's that's the one that got read to me when somebody <laughs> fell in the pool <laughs> I'm more sensitive than I let on
<laughs> Most people are. Graham lets on a lot, so that's why we know he's, there's a lot under this, a lot of iceberg underneath. A lot of steam, a lot of steam puff. <laughs> a lot of steam puff and ice stuff. Yeah. Cool. Okay, okay, that's, that's fine. That's our only rule in Grammar. There's more rules than that, and I make them up as I go, so get used to it. <laughs> oh, look at that. It's disgusting. It's a half of a skull. That smells. It's all dirty. I don't think you need all this technology. If it's consciousness, then maybe, you know, I can go to wherever I need to go in a fucking trash can if I can get my head straight. They changed their whole their whole meow and they started doing this weird hello. <laughs> Take it easy. It's not quite like that. They say hello. Hello. <laughs> There's a jingle. There's a jingle waiting to happen. Unique snowflake. It's all triangles. One day we'll be selling muffin cookbooks for 150 bucks piece on some separate entity so that we can get paid for Grimerica. And that'll be like the thing. Head to Susie'smuffins.com and buy a book if you want to support the show. <laughs>